MRN's Classic Races are brought to you by Hercules Tires. This is a two-and-a-half-mile banked asphalt track. It's so simple, it's deceiving. It's a track of subtleties covering the first and second turn area for us today is Barney Hall. Ken, I was looking at the crowd in the infield. I don't think they could put 10 more vehicles in here anywhere. It's almost wall-to-wall people in the infield, and it's certainly that way in the grandstand, and they're here to see what just has to be the most competitive race they've ever had here at Daytona. There were some 70 entries here. Only 40 cars started. That meant that some 30 cars didn't make the lineup, so the caliber of competition has to be the best ever. And the action should be fast and furious here in turns one and two all afternoon in these 33-degree banking. There's a slight wind blowing across the corners today that probably will affect the machines a little bit. Let's go back to the tower. And let's immediately go to the 3,000-foot-long backstretch of the world's finest motor speedway where Jack Aroot's standing by. Ken, it's going to be long, straight, flat, and narrow at 200 miles per hour back here, and it's the only way to describe this 3,400-foot backstretch. A four-foot slate gray wall borders three lanes of racing asphalt. On the inside, it's a 15-foot mound of dirt, and it serves as protection for the steel charges because behind that earthen mound lies a body of water known as Lake Lloyd. There's very little wind back here right now, and that's pretty good because it'll make for a smooth trip into the east banking. If the wind kicks up, though, this 200-mile-per-hour drag race down the backstretch will be like wrestling a gorilla for the driver. At the end of the backstretch, the track vaults into a five-story, 33-degree turn known as number three. And in turn three, the Daytona slingshot begins. We're going down to Bill France Sr. now. To our flag. And George Wallace Governor will lead Wallace. this crowd of 130,000 in this bicentennial year in the I Pledge Allegiance. Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It is now time to start the 18th annual Daytona 500. Gentlemen, start your engines. The command has been given, and the command has been taken to heart by 42 of the finest racing drivers in the world as they get ready to do the one race that every one of them wants more than any. For 30 drivers, it's a seat in the grandstand today. For these competitors, it's their moment of glory. Engines turn on, the butterflies turn up. Our expert commentator today is a gentleman who has been out here, has been in this race here, as well as on the 4th of July, and was at the Darlington race where he was selected as Rookie of the Year. I think many Americans know him quite well is perhaps one of our very finest country music composers and singers, and it's a pleasure to have Marty Robbins along today. Marty, wouldn't you like to sing to a crowd like that? I wish that I could sing to a crowd like that, and I wish I could sell that many records. <laughs> 130,000 plus are gathered here today for this Festival of Speed, which terminates Speed Week's 1976. What's it like? You've been out here when they finally say, all right, cut them loose and head down pit road. Well... To me, there's nothing like it because I love the sport so much. And uh, I wish I was, you know, that I could be there today, but uh, I, I can't. So uh, it's, it's nice to be able to sit up here and watch it. And it's 
kind of double nice to be able to talk to you while, while it's going on, you know, because I've never tried to uh, even uh, announce a race. And, uh, of course, I'm not going to try to today, but anytime you ask me a question and I can answer it, I'm going to put it on you real quick. All right. Marty Robbins, who never has been Mike Shy, and I think you folks over the generations who remember a white sport coat and a pink carnation and El Paso and My Woman, My Woman, My Life and Devil Woman and all those great songs, Know your credentials there, but everybody around here on Pit Road and up here in the tower knows Marty Robbins as a driver who proved his worth when he went out and raced in Nashville, Tennessee on a half mile and won there and has come through so well on this kind of racing, but his schedule doesn't allow him to do as much racing as he'd like, right? No, because next next week I have to do a television show, and, uh, you know, I've had a, uh, a little bad luck in the last three races. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> let this one pass and do the television show next week. All right. Turn number four for today's coverage is being covered for Motor Racing Network by Dave Despain. Well, can we native Hawkeyes' hearts are beating proud down here in 10-4. We're awaiting Iowans' Ramos Stott in that gleaming ivory yellow trim Smithville Farm Chevy and upstart Terry Ryan in the fiery red Bill Monahan Chevy because they have the greatest racing cars and drivers in the world stacked two by two behind them as they sit in the front row. In turn four, the 31-degree east bank at Daytona is a dull gray canvas framed by the brilliant blue of the Florida sky up above and this kaleidoscopic mass of campers and motorhomes literally jamming the infield down below. In just a few moments, the pace lap will arc across that canvas, and it'll be the first brush stroke in what we know will be another masterpiece of Daytona racing excitement and drama. The pits today are being covered by Ken Campbell and Bob Myers from Charlotte. Let's get a report from there. This is Ken Campbell, Ken, and we're looking face on into this huge crowd in the grandstands today here. But we've never seen in the pit area a more competitive spirit than we've seen in preparation for this Daytona 500. We will try to bring you some of the owner's reports, the driver's reports, as the day goes on. And Bob Myers. Is Bob Myers standing by? Yes, this is Bob Myers. And uh, Ken Squire, with uh, your indulgence and without your knowledge that we're going to do this, I'd like to acknowledge publicly you're winning the coveted Henry McLemore Award uh, this week. It's presented uh, not every year, uh, only when it's deserved by Union Oil Company. The award cites uh, journalistic excellence in the field of motorsports and honors uh, the late writer for which it's named. Uh, it's the highest of its kind, and the Motor Racing Gang Network Gang just wanted to uh, show our heartiest congratulations to you. And uh, now back to award-winning Ken Squire in the tower. Well, thank you very much, Bob Myers. It's a, it was a meaningful award for me because people that are very special to me, like Royce Britt. Chris Economaki, Joe Doddell, Ray Marquette have been former winners, and I thank you. Number 40, D.K. Ulrich has now pulled on the pit road, and they are checking the front end of his automobile. All 42 cars were away and taking the first of two preparatory laps to the start of this race. And for the final time in his career, which spans 27 years of Grand National Competition, John Bruner, as the chief steward, is walking back from the track toward the walkover area where the drivers were introduced. John Bruner has been a part of NASCAR since its inception, and this will be his final race today. He and his wife, Mary, have contributed so much to the growth of this sport. 
untold hours that they have donated to make it work, make it go. And this will be the last time that John Bruner Jr. will strut down here and wave that black flag at someone and haul your tail in if you're not doing just exactly as he feels it should be done. The race itself is now lingering in the backstretch at only 80, 85 miles per hour. The Pontiac safety car has the field in tow as we zero in on the hour when they start the greatest stock car race in the world. It's 3,000 feet down this backstretch, and you can just hammer down through there, and you can lean a little, and you can tap bumpers, and you can have a lot of fun. Right, Marty Robbins? Well, <laughs> I've never tapped any bumpers, <laughs> but I have had a lot of fun out there. Well, I have tapped a wall a couple times. Does that count, too? Uh, well, that definitely is a big counter. Uh, Any you, points you, you get for that? You've, you've touched uh, most of the walls, haven't you? Well, for a while, I was the official NASCAR wall tester. <laughs> if the wall held up, anybody else could hit it, and then, you know, it'd be all right. Uh, you certainly took a blow in Charlotte, and uh, I think many people remember that as a race when uh, you didn't have to do it, but you saw a couple of cars out in front, and you laid it in the wall about 150 miles an hour and cost you a pretty good-sized scar, but you, I think you really saved somebody's life that day. Well, uh, I hope so, but I, th I thought I'd... We'll watch the race. All right, let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Daytona 500 is inching down for a start. The green flag is out. The race is underway. And off the front line come those cars from Iowa, Terry Ryan, along with Ray Mostot as they go into turn number one to start the greatest stock car race in the world. There exactly as they left the start-finish line, Ken Squire, door-to-door, -door, coming into turn number two now. It is still Ray Mostot and Terry Ryan, two abreast. Right behind comes the Gatorade Chevrolet of Waltrip and Buddy Baker and Richard Petty and Dave Marcus. Five cars get it on. Here goes Baker down to the inside. Petty right behind there, four deep. Three wide into turn number three, and Buddy Baker puts the move on the lead and takes it over away from Terry Ryan in 61. Down low on the racetrack goes Buddy Baker, and he brings Richard Petty, five-time winner of this race, right along with him. They run one and two. Ryan falls to third. Ramos dot ducks to the inside, and they race down to the lead at the end of lap one. Here they come, screaming out of turn number four. One car slithers toward the wall and comes off it momentarily. Out in front, it is the Norris Industries automobile. Number 52, Earl Ross, raising the wall at the end of the first lap, brought it all the way to the apron, kept it up, and goes back into the first turn with one lap down. Buddy Baker shows the way this time as they hit turn one. It is Petty in second. Back in third position is Ryan. Fourth is Waltrip. And fifth is David Pearson. Single file. They exit turn two. It's high, wide, and handsome. And in single file, as you said, Barney, down the back straightaway. They seem to be content to run single file here. Now Petty shows to the outside, backs off, and runs behind Baker on the inside as Walter for third. Lucky number 13, 13 cars in the lead draft as Buddy Baker takes the third racing lane and brings them around. Ken Squire, Barney Hall in the backstretch. Cale Yarbrough is erupting an engine down the backstretch. The Holly Farm Chevrolet is in trouble up in turn three. He's got it under control, though. He's down on the safety apron, the Holly Farm Chevrolet. White smoke pouring out of it. It comes to you, Dave Lespain. Yarborough keeps it down on the low racing lane. Everybody is getting by. He's got it onto the apron. Cale Yarborough has kept the car out of trouble, but he is definitely erupting smoke, and Yarborough may be out of it for the day. Back to you, Ken Squire. Number 12, Neil Bonnet has come on pit road with the Armorall automobile. Neil Bonnet is on pit road, and it looks like a bad day for Cale Yarborough. The engine seems to be still running. Meanwhile, on the backstretch, Norris Industries, number 15, Buddy Baker is in front. Number 43, Richard Petty is in second. 88, Waltrip runs in third, and they hit turn three. As they come into the banking, moving down on the inside of Waltrip comes the Silver Fox himself, David Pearson, to annex fourth place. Terry Ryan, this Iowan, sits in fifth spot with Ramos Dot right alongside in sixth position. 
as they come by. They have now 10 cars, bumper to bumper in a draft. It's running behind Ryan and Scott. Then comes number 90 out in the sixth position. Number 90 automobile, and that is the car that comes from Trucks More Industries with Richard Brooks. A change in leadership among the front four. David Pearson is making a bid for the lead. Pearson has worked his way up into third position. It is still Buddy Baker out front. Penny is second. Pearson slides into third spot, and Waltrip is fourth. Meanwhile, in the back of the pack, car number 28, A.J. Foyt. What a move to the front he's making. He's garnered 18 positions thus far. Into turn number three. It's Pearson on the inside of Fetty in the Pure Light of Mercury. Pearson has moved the Mercury into second spot. He's door post to door post with Richard Penny. A car in control and out of control in turn number two. Car number 38 is sliding down on the grass, holding it down. He might have lost an engine coming into the corner. Gets it on the grass. No contact with any other cars. The hood has... Up on the car, Tom Williams of Church, Texas, comes to rest on the grass here in turn number two. Back to the tower and Ken Squire. So as the battle goes on into the first turn, we're now getting two drafts, five cars each for the lead. As they hammer down into turn number one, the third lap was at 181.818 miles per hour. And the first 11 automobiles are running just three seconds apart as they go into the backstretch working the fifth of the 200 laps today. Twelve and a half miles are down, and there's a challenge for the lead. On the outside of, of Buddy Baker goes David Pearson. The Pure Light of Mercury's in front. Blown motors. White smoke coming up in turn number three in the trucks more Ford of Dick Brooks. Brooks has got it high up against the wall. Smoke pouring out from under the car. One more car below him. That's Lenny Pond. Pond has to get way out of the throttle, onto the brakes. Brooks comes down onto the apron. No contact. Everybody okay. Back to you, Ken Squire. Cale Yarborough's car has gone behind the wall. Cale Yarborough's automobile is now behind the wall and out of the race. That Chevrolet engine, which has had a problem all week. They used two McLaren engines. Then they used a Junior Johnson engine. And they've all erupted. Now they've lost another. And here's number 90 coming into the pits. That is Richard Brooks, former Grand National Rookie of the Year from Portoville, California. The hood is up and the smoke is coming out. The last lap at 182.186 miles per hour. And another great duel in the backstretch. Pearson in front. Waltrip gets by Baker to take over second. Baker runs third. The first six continue to feel one another out. They've opened up a 200-yard separation over that second draft. It is Pearson, Waltrip, Baker, Penny. Then comes Terry Ryan and Ramos Dodd. Car number 38, Tom Williams of Shirts, Texas, with the hood pins apparently pulling out of that automobile. Now is on pit road. Here's David Pearson on the outside and Darrell Waltrip on the inside as they fight for first place at turn one. They swap a little paint to the corner. Pearson gets real high in the groove, and Buddy Baker slides by, and Waltrip takes the lead. Baker second, Pearson third, Petty fourth. Back in fifth position is Ryan, and in sixth spot is Ramos Dunn. Seven-car draft out of the number two corner down the back stretch they move. They continue to swap this lead like it was trading stamps on the lead automobile. Right now is car number 88, Darrell Waltrip, but not for long. Buddy Baker down low into the banking on the inside. Baker takes it back away from Waltrip and is the leader as they come through the three and four banking. A.J. Boyd carving through this pack like a knife through hot butter from 31st starting position runs 12. Coming into the seventh lap, 17 and a half miles by with one and two tenths seconds from first to sixth place. Baker leading, Waltrip second, Pearson third, Petty is in fourth, then come the two Iowa cars, fifth and sixth. Bobby Allison is running in the seventh position now in the Cam 2 car, number two here in the Daytona 500. All across the country, people drive and smile, knowing that STP is with them every mile. STP all treatment has this worthy goal. Longer-lasting engines, so roll on good times roll. In engine tests by a major research firm, 
cars were driven a total of a half million miles with and without STP oil treatment. On the average, STP substantially reduced oil consumption. And these tests using scientific measurements also showed that STP oil treatment clearly reduced wear in cylinders, valve trains, and other sliding iron and steel parts. STP, STP, for folks who try, that's you and me, there's a good reason, whatever season, it helps your oil do a better job. We are now working the eighth lap of the 200 laps to mark the Daytona 500. And out in front is the Norris Industries automobile being driven by Buddy Baker. The two Iowa drivers are lined fifth and sixth in the six-car draft just holding on. Darrell Walton is exerting plenty of pressure on the leader as they come around to complete the ninth lap. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Citywide to countryside. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTire.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. The track is under caution. A blown engine on David Sisko from Nashville, Tennessee. The number 05 going up in smoke in the tri-oval area. And Salt Walther of Dayton, Ohio, taking evasive action, going down on the grass, spinning for about 800 feet, making two complete 360s. His car rests midway down the 1,600-foot chute into turn number one. Walther's automobile is fired. He's flat-spotted the tires. They're going to be checking the track for oil out of that blown engine from David Sisko's automobile. Meanwhile, Buddy Baker looked like he might have been showing a bit of smoke as the car was roaring around the speedway in the lead with Darrell Waltrip in second, David Pearson third, Richard Petty fourth, Terry Ryan, the Iowa driver in fifth, Ramo Stott is in the sixth position here at this juncture, ten laps down. Ten laps into the race, first caution when David Sisko erupted an engine moving into the tri-oval area. Two cars are out, the Cale Yarborough car and the Richard Brooks automobile, and perhaps we can get from Bob Myers a report on what happened to Cale Yarborough's machine. Well, I have Richard Brooks standing right beside of him. Let's get to him first, Ken. We go back to Cale later. Cale's problem was a burn piston. They'd been having them uh, all week long, and that's the eighth engine they'd gone through. And now here's Dick Brooks. Dick, what happened? Well, I guess we split a cylinder wall. Uh, I don't know. We did one earlier in the week, the first three or four. Well, I think the first one ran about eight lapses and ran about five or six, so... Uh, Lord, I don't know. We just, uh, we haven't been, you know, we just haven't had good power all week and everything, and then just all of a sudden something like that happens. It's uh, kind of disappointing. Back to Ken Squire in the tower. What about the Kale Yarborough automobile? I understand you had some news for us on it, Bob. Uh, well, uh, Junior's, I talked to Junior uh, right before the race, and he said that they had been melting pistons all week, and, and I said earlier had gone through eight engines, and he said he had tried to set, had to try to set up his race engine for durability so it would go 500 miles rather than try to get speed, which they were trying to get earlier in the week. And that backfired on them as well. Back to the tower. All the leaders are on pit road. Baker has been in and gone back out again. We are under caution. First one of the race as David Sisko erupts an engine going into turn number one and Salt Walther spins to avoid him. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. 
With 12 laps, 30 miles down, the leaders are all taking this opportunity to, to pit their automobiles, and we'll have a 14-car choo-choo train for the lead when it restarts. A bitter disappointment for the 1968 winner, Cale Yarborough, erupting an engine on the Holly Farm Chevrolet in the early going, as Richard Brooks did the same. I talked to Cale this morning about what it was night the night after a major race like the Daytona 500 for him. Night after a race is tougher uh, for me, Ken, than the night before a race. I'm, uh, I can pretty well, you know, go to bed the night before a race and get a good night's sleep, but the night after a race, I'm, uh, I'm just too wound too tight to just relax, and it usually takes a couple of nights. It's usually about the third night before I can really get a, a good night's rest. And, uh, but, you know, I have to try. I have to go home and uh, you know, clean up, take a good hot shower and have a good meal and, and try to go to bed. But you lay there all night long and you hear that engine running all night and you think of all the mistakes you made all day. And uh, it's a lot easier to sleep after you've won than losing. So uh, most people lose more sleep than they get. Ken Squire, this is Bob Myers in the garage. I have Kale Yarbrough. Kale? Kale, would you consider this the height of frustration for you this week? Well, it sure is, Bob. Uh, we've this is the worst week we've ever had in racing, I guess. We've uh, we've blown three engines in the first lap on the racetrack, just like what happened today. It blew on the first lap. I made an extra lap, but it was already blown up. And it's uh, this is the fifth engine we've used since we've been down here. And uh, well, I don't know what to say. Something's wrong somewhere. I believe you said earlier you could, just couldn't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe this can happen to a team like we got. Well, better luck next time, Kale. Back to Ken Squire in the tower. Car number 12, Neil Bonnet, the Armoron automobile, is on pit road, as is Buddy Arrington's automobile, Earl Ross. And here comes number 71, Marcus, who's been a very stout runner all week long. Part of the controversy in the early week uh, about the uh, automobiles that were a bit too tricked up. I, I consider that, and I'm sure everybody that follows motorsport has followed that story, that, but that's a little bit like the interior light lineman when he gets the guy trying to run to the line and biting his leg a little, you know. If you get caught at it, it can cost you 10 yards, and it costs them the front row, but they're right back up in the second row for the restart as they try to stay competitive and win this great race. Two fantastic races on Thursday in the twin 125-milers. If you want to see some great racing ever, those have to be two of the hardest. Right, Marty Robbins? Well, I got to watch them for the first time, and I was up in the tower watching them, and I think it was real great racing and a lot of action, and uh, like I said, it was the first time. It was really something... Here we are in the backstretch in the 13th lap, working the 14th lap at the present time and showing car number five as the leader after all of these pit stops. The number five automobile is a rookie driver from Huntsville, Alabama, Jimmy Means, has a chance to appropriate first position and taste what it's like to run all by your lonely out there behind that Pontiac safety car. Second position currently is car number 73, and that's David Hobbs of Upper Boddington, England, the Formula the former Formula 5000 champion who is making his maiden voyage in one of these 3,700-pound stock cars this afternoon and uh, did a very creditable job in the 125-mile qualifying race on Thursday. Well, one of the officials down here in the trioval, Pete Keller, is moving back, but John Bruner, working his final race for NASCAR after many, many years, is standing down there still waving the caution flag to the leaders as they come by, and there will be another lap at least before they turn them loose. Car number five, Jimmy Means, is now elected to bring his automobile on pit road. And here's car number 30, Ty Scott, who is driving the Walter Ballard car. He's a dirt track champion from up in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, driving a car from Houston, Texas, the red-white numeral number 30. Meanwhile, D.K. Ulrich, who crashed out here in qualifying last Sunday, his silver and red number 40 automobile is on pit road. 
getting little service, as is Buddy Arrington's car number 67. As to the condition of the track in the first and second turn area after the exploded engine by David Sisko, here's Barney Hall. Ken, it looks like the cleanup crews have pretty well finished their work. They always check all the way around. Usually if a car blows going into one, they'll check completely out of two and halfway down the backstretch to make sure that no parts in the engine or any metal gets on the track or anything of that nature. But it looks like almost a green condition here in turns one and two back to the tower. Meanwhile, Dave Marcus had an interesting situation which our pit reporters will want to check on. Marcus just came in the pits for 22 and 6 tenths seconds, and the mechanics were inside the automobile making some adjustments. And then they had to push car number 71, the K&K car, to get it started. It has started. It is functioning right now. But uh, we might want to know just what they were doing or what they had to do. And then having to push start means there may be some problems on the Marcus automobile. We'll check that with crew chief Harry Hyde for you. Ken, this is uh, Ken Campbell in the pits. I have Mario Rossi here with me now. Mario, was everything all right uh, prior to? And are you, uh, uh, is uh, your young man saying that everything's all right with your operation? Kenny is very pleased with the car. He said it's performing beautifully, and we have no problems at this time. He did make note that uh, he thinks Baker does have the strongest car at this point. That's for Mario Rossi, and we've talked to uh, Roger Penske, who says the number two of Bobby Allison is also in good shape, and back to the tower. So that buddy Baker, car number 15, gets to be a stronger and stronger threat as the pace car comes by, and they're showing one lap before they'll be cutting them loose. One lap, and they will cut them loose, and that'll be the 16th lap. Car number 63, Terry Bibbins of Shawnee Mission, Kansas, and the Boyer Chevrolet is currently leading. We asked Buddy Baker just one hour before the race how one feels primping for the Daytona 500. Just like always, I feel like we've done all we can. The car is in good shape, and it's a question mark. You know, if you go all the way, you feel you have a chance to win, but uh, there's always uh, the things that you can't predict, uh, the little 10-cent items that uh, can put a car out just as well as a $10,000 motor. So right now, I just... Uh, I've got mixed emotions. I feel that this is probably my best effort as far as uh, total preparation to a race. I feel that we're in good shape. I think the car is handling well, and I feel pretty good. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see if we'll get there. Buddy Baker hoping to get there and looking very strong in the opening laps. Cayley Yarborough, the first car out. He gets last place in the race and collects only $4,725 today. And it hoped for a lot more than that in this Daytona 500. $4,700 for last place. 15th lap is being worked. They'll come into the 16th lap and will be back under green. And the field is deployed in the following manner. Car number 63, Terry Bivens, will be leading. Car number 60, Jackie Rogers, the brilliant young driver from Wilmington, North Carolina, in the new Viglione Chevrolet will be in second. The Nitro 9 Chevrolet of James Hilton from Inman, South Carolina, will be going third and fourth. Is car number 61, Joe Mahalik of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Running fifth is Baker. The Pontiac safety car comes down onto the pit road. And ladies and gentlemen, after the first caution of the 18th annual Daytona 500, they're racing once again. And it's Jackie Rogers leading as the field scoops down for the first turn. They are now working lap number 17, 42 and a half miles. Back into the number one corner, they shuffle as Buddy Baker works his way through traffic, trying to pick off some of the slower automobiles as he drops in that high groove, Ken Squire. He has worked his way back to the front and chases James Hilton, who is out of the lead. Here comes Richard Petty moving around. 
It's Scurry down the backstretch now for Buddy Baker and Richard Petty. Baker dips to the inside of Hilton. He's got the lead going into the high banks in the east end of the speedway. As they hit the banking, Baker definitely got the dig on the restart. He's gotten away from Petty. Now Petty is jammed up against the wall and almost tagged the wall, trying to get around Hilton. Dives back to the inside. A scary move by King Richard. Nobody else could have gotten away with that. They run one and two. Here's Petty going into second spot as they come by. Jimmy Lee Caps Automobile from Alton, Florida is still on pit road. Third place automobile, Ramos Dott. He hung out in the back of the draft in the early going. Now, Ramos Dott, the Kia Cup chief from Iowa, is beginning to put the pressure on, and he's working Richard Petty in turn one. He keeps the pressure on Richard Petty just a car length back. Baker has broken the draft momentarily. He's about 25 car lengths ahead of Richard Petty, who is second. Ramo is third. Back and forth is Pearson. Riding fifth is Waltrip, and sixth is A.J. Foyt. It's a slugfest for second place on the backstretch here. Now Stott tries the inside to get around the STP Dodge. They're side by side into the east banking. Stott has got second place now. Ramo flexing that Hawkeye horsepower takes Richard Petty on the inside to move into second spot in that white, yellow trim Chevrolet. Buddy Baker continues to run solidly up front, and A.J. Foyt has the Gilmore car at the back end of the lead grab. That's fifth position on A.J. Foyt. It's a Ford, Baker in front, a Chevrolet, Ramos got in second, a Dodge is running in third, and then the Mercury of David Pearson runs right behind Richard Petty in the fourth position as they go into the 19th lap of the first third. That seven-car draft scoots back into the number one corner. Baker still showing the way, but now Stott begins to close the gap. He is four car lengths back. Richard Petty still third, Pearson fourth, Waltrip fifth, and Foyt is sixth, single file down the back chute. Ramos Stott has got the lead automobile, Buddy Baker, in his sights. He closes it down to less than a car length now into turn number three. Petty on third place, and Waltrip goes into fourth. They really tighten it up as they hit the high bank. Stott looked to the inside, saw that he could not get by, and contents himself with the back end of Buddy Baker's car in front of him as he settles for second spot. Coming down to complete 19 laps, one and three-tenths seconds from first to sixth position. Baker is first, Stott is second. Petty is third, Darrell Waltrip fourth. It is Pearson running in the fifth position. A.J. Boyd is in sixth. Oh, look out in turn one. Here comes Ramos Stott all the way to the bottom of the racetrack, and he's got Baker. Stott goes back in the lead. Baker is second, Petty is third, Waltrip is fourth, Pearson is fifth. And in six spots, it's still A.J. Point, but it is Ramos not really pulling away. Here comes Baker on the charge. Buddy Baker pounds the pavement back here. He's side by side, midway down the back straightaway. Baker gets the ride of the draft. Petty rides alongside on the inside, as does Waltra. And Baker has the lead. Like a squadron of fighter planes in close formation, they heel it over through the banking with Baker back out front. This time, Petty is behind it. Then it's Ramos dot. Darrell Waltrip has that green and white, not superstitious Gatorade car in fourth. As they come by, the fifth position remains car number 21. That's the David Pearson automobile. In sixth spot is A.J. Foyt. Seventh is Bobby Allison. Eighth is Cuckoo Marlin. And up to ninth position comes Benny Parson. In tenth is Dave Marcus. Here in the Daytona 500. If you... Seven automobiles running a second and a half apart for the lead at the 24th lap of the 200-lap Daytona 500. The lead automobile is Buddy Baker. In second spot is Richard Petty. Then comes Darrell Waltrip's number 88 running in the third position. Jimmy Means has just retired from the race. He is the fourth car out. Earl Ross looks to have lost an engine. He could be the fifth to retire. As they come back to the line, Baker is first, Petty is second, Walter third. A.J. Foyt has come into fourth position in car number 28, and Foyt started 35th, 31st in the starting lineup today. Here's the 20-lap rundown for you. 
for 50 miles. It was then Baker leading, Petty second, Ramos dot third. Going fourth was Darrell Waltrip. Fifth was David Pearson. Going sixth was A.J. Foyt at the time. In the seventh position was Carr, number two, Bobby Allison. In eighth was Cuckoo Marlin. Ninth was Benny Parsons. And tenth was Dave Marcus. In the eleventh position was Carr, number 63, Terry Bivens. Running twelfth was the number 81 automobile of Terry Ryan. Going 13th was car number 4, Salt Walther. Going 14th was car number 24, Cecil Gordon. In the 15th position, number 47, Bruce Hill. In 16th was Lenny Pond. 17th was the Earl Ross automobile. 18th was Cecil Gordon. I read it was James Hilton. 19th on the field was number 95, Jim Herdebees. And 20th was showing his car number 61, Joe Mahalik. The 21st position was car number 60, Jackie Rogers. And 22nd position was car number 29 being driven by Roy Smith of Victoria, British Columbia. Those were the front 22 at 20 laps, 50 miles, and they were averaging 134.629 miles per hour. There had been eight lead changes in the first 20 laps. Ken Squire, this is Davis Bain in turn four, where we watch Buddy Baker come through yet another time. Three consecutive times through this turn, the Baker car has erupted smoke out of the back end. Richard Petty has dropped off the tail end of Buddy Baker's car by 50 yards, sensing, I think, that something may be letting go. Here's Baker coming through the trial area, about to lap Edna Gree. And again, we note smoke coming out of the red, white, and blue Norris Industries automobile as Baker whips it on down into turn number one. We asked Baker just before the race this morning if the Ford automobile prepared by Bud Moore had picked up the speed they had lacked early in the week. Yeah, it's running real well now. It's running about 186, and uh, it's handling extremely well. That's where I'm making most of my time is in the corners. and. Uh, if some of them are a little stouter down the straightaway, of course, if you can run fast in the corner, you can pick them back up and, and then use the draft to pull back up on them. So uh, I think we're in good shape. I just hope that uh, we did all things that are necessary to win the 500. Buddy Baker with smoke coming out. That was the voice of Baker as to how the car was running. And he was hoping to make up speed in the turns. But everywhere on the track, there begins to be some smoke. And now, A.J. Foyt goes beneath Richard Petty in the trioval. Number 28, the Gilmore car, goes into second place. Supertex rolls down to the bottom of turn number one, and he drags within the Gatorade car. Here's Baker moving into the corner. That smoke continues to come out, but Foyt is about to catch him. He is now about 10 car lengths back, riding in the draft is still Waltrip. Petty is fourth, Pearson is in fifth position as they begin to move on Baker down the backstretch. Darrell Waltrip continues to take advantage of every move that A.J. Foyt makes. Now white smoke coming out of Darrell Waltrip's Gatorade Chevrolet. A.J. Foyt may decide that it's better to run in front of Baker than behind him because he's definitely making a move, and Waltrip is going to take this advantage to go along for the ride. It's still Buddy Baker up front, 20 yards back of Foyt and the Gatorade. Gatorade car. Field coming by. Let's see if they've dropped off any on that Gatorade machine. It's dropped back in behind A.J. Foyt and is willing to draft and he is showing some smoke, as is Buddy Baker. So two of the potential winners are becoming smokers out here in turn number one. Ken, the Waltrip car has put out smoke all week in practice. They say it's uh, nothing serious on the car. However, that smoke is getting more pronounced each time around, as so is Baker. Baker now about 10 car lengths ahead of Foyt as they go down to turn three. They thread the needle through the traffic now. Buddy Baker has a clear advantage, and tucking his nose to the rear of A.J. Foyt is Darrell Waltrip, and that smoke continues to pour out of the rear of the automobile. A.J. Foyt in the Gilmore car with a smoker in front and a smoker in back must feel he's got a hand grenade in both hands, wondering what's going to happen if either of those cars get loose. Meanwhile, the second draft has fallen back 100 yards behind the leaders. 
A.J. Boyd has gone through his share of engines this week, but right now the car is running well, and he's up there ready to challenge Buddy Baker for the lead from Daytona International Speedway. This is the Motor Racing Network. Well, the engines here are the key problem all week long. They've been blowing holes in the pistons all week as they've been attempting qualifying for this race, and it's continuing here in the 500. We're seeing smoke, and we don't know if it's a smoke screen or if it's a real problem on the lead car, number 15, the Buddy Baker automobile. He's sure running for lap money right now as he pours it on out of the fourth turn. A.J. Boyd has fallen about 15 car lengths behind him, and it could be the smoke concerns Boyd, too. He doesn't want to get trapped by a spinning, careening automobile at two miles an hour. The third spot is Waltrip. Fourth is now David Pearson. Fifth is the automobile of Richard Petty. The intervals uh, right now between first and fourth is about two and a half seconds. Salt Walther's car number four is back on pit road. The Walther car, which looped earlier as it tried to avoid the car of David Sisko when it blew an engine coming to the tri-oval, is back on pit road another time. Leaders are going into the 32nd lap of competition, 80 of the 500 miles complete. Ken Squire. Go ahead. Bob Myers in the pits. The problem with Buddy Baker's car is it's losing small quantities of oil through the breather pipes. And in the words of Chief Mechanic Bud Moore, we'll be all right in a few minutes. Back to the tower. So there's the story. The Bud Moore car seems to be all right. The Bud Moore report is that the Baker car is just losing a little excess oil and it's going to clean up here momentarily. We'll wait and see on that one as A.J. Boyd drops another two car lengths behind the leader as he flumes down into turn number one out in front. The last lap on Buddy Baker was a lap at 180 miles per hour. Dave Marcus is now running by himself 10 and 2 tenths seconds behind the lead draft, which is working out of turn number two and into the backstretch. If Buddy Baker is going to clean that up pretty soon, it looks as if A.J. Foyt doesn't want to be the drop cloth as he backs out of it again a little bit. And now, all of a sudden, David Pearson, Richard Petty, and Darrell Waltrip are closing on A.J. Foyt. The lead cars definitely are not willing to draft. Baker's out in front all by himself, then Foyt all by himself. But we've got a real dogfight developing for third. It's Pearson, then Petty, and then the Gatorade car of Darrell Waltrip. And now they're working into a five-car draft. One and three-tenths seconds between the leader, 15, and the car of A.J. Foyt. Here comes Richard Petty to the inside as he challenges for third position. The trioval is almost pinched as he goes down into turn number one by a car pulling out of the speedway. But Petty makes his move, and the master moves into third position. Can he use all the speedway as he came down into the corner, but he's up in third spot. Pearson back and forth. Waltrip is fifth. Whoa, an engine blowing on Earl Ross's car just coming out of the corner. A lot of smoke. Nobody in trouble. Ross trying to get down to the inside. He makes it down to the apron of the track and heads for turn three. Earl Ross has got it under control. He's shut down the motor. He's on the safety apron. He's heading to pit road. And the caution flag will be unfurled for the second time in this race. Caution is going to come on for the second time in the Daytona 500 as Earl Ross, former Grand National Rookie of the Year from Elsa Craig, Ontario, Canada, has lost an engine on the backstretch. The car had engine problems earlier, and the engine has expired in the 33rd lap of the 18th annual Daytona 500. One of the two Canadian drivers in the race finds it a short afternoon, completing some 82 and a half miles before it's all over for him. That would be the fifth automobile, I believe, to retire. Earl Ross, the fifth car out of the race. Ken Squire, this is Joe Alloy in the garage. That is the fifth automobile to retire. They are all Chevrolets. They all have lost their engines. But we have a real race going on here in the 
garage area. David Sisko and his entire crew are trying to change out the engine. He wants to get back out and do some racing this afternoon. Now back to radio control. I hope you have a clock on him because that could be a very interesting time, how long it takes one of these Grand National crews to change an entire engine and get the car back on the track. When the race started today, there were 32 Chevrolets, four Dodges, two Fords, and two Mercuries out here in competition. And thus far, the five retirees have all been part of that Chevrolet contingent. We are in the second caution period. The most cautions ever was that race in 1968 that Cale Yarborough won when there were 11 cautions. Here's Baker and Foyt, the two leaders now on pit road. And here comes the remainder of those front-running cars. Benny Parsons, who's worked his way beautifully up through traffic to run in the top ten, is in, as is the Gatorade car of Darrell Waltrip, the Cam 2 automobile, 71 Marcus, 60 Jackie Rogers, 81 Terry Ryan in the Wham Chevrolet out of Iowa. Here in the Daytona 500, the activity is on pit road. The field is under caution. Valvoline is the motor oil the pros run on. Pros like A.J. Foyt and Kaylee Arborough. They've proved it's one motor oil that takes the punishment of racing, and they're not alone. More professional race drivers at Indy on major drag strips and on road race courses run on Valvoline racing oil than any other brand. Proof to yourself that Valvoline can take it in your car, too. There's a Valvoline motor oil for every kind of car, every kind of driving. Valvoline, a product of Ashland Oil, a growing worldwide company. The Daytona 500 is presented by Chrysler Corporation's Direct Connection Performance Parts with more than a decade of racing know-how from Daytona to Pomona. Chrysler engineers have developed a variety of engine parts, chassis, and suspension components all designed to make your Mopar run quicker, stronger. For seasoned racers or novices, get with Chrysler's Direct Connection Program, a new kind of factory assistance with hundreds of special parts available through Dodge and Chrysler Plymouth dealers nationally. Your direct connections waiting. The 30-lap rundown here in the Daytona 500 were under caution. Had car number 15, Baker, leading at 30 laps with Baker in uh, Baker in first, A.J. Foyt in second, Darrell Waltrip was then third with David Pearson fourth, Richard Petty running in fifth, and Bobby Allison sixth. Benny Parsons had worked his way up in car number 72 from 32nd position to be running seventh. Parsons from 32nd to seventh on the 30-lap rundown. In the eighth position was the Ramos Dot car, in ninth was Cuckoo Marlin, and tenth was number 71, ten and a half seconds off the leader, the Dave Marcus car. The eleventh spot was Terry Ryan. Ramo Stott was running eighth. Ninth was Cuckoo Marlin. Tenth was Marcus. Eleventh was Ryan. In the twelfth position was the Lenny Pond automobile with thirteenth belonging to Terry Bivens from Kansas. Fourteenth was the number 95 car of Jim Herdebees. In fifteenth was Bruce Hill. Sixteenth was Cecil Gordon. And moving up to seventeenth was David Hobbs from England. In the eighteenth position was car number 29, Roy Smith from Canada. The twentieth position was James Hilton. The twenty-first position was Johnny Ray of East Toboga, Alabama. And running twenty-second was car number three, Richard Childress of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. All the leaders have pitted, and because of that, the new leader is David Hobbs of Upper Body England in the Coca-Cola car. Hobbs in car number 73, the former Formula 5000 champion, taking on the stock cars for the first time, is leading the Daytona 500. While we have this caution flag for a blown engine, we have an opportunity to talk with one of the finest racers who's ever been here at Daytona, Albert
Burrito. From San Luis Obispo, California, Gene Romero, who won the 200-mile race on this speedway last March. Good to have you with us, Gene. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Gene, last year we watched you come into this trioval on a motorcycle at 190 miles per hour. That's got to be some kind of thrill. Well, it's, uh, it's pretty quick on a motorcycle, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, watching these stock cars today is uh, one fantastic race. Well, March 7th will be your big day here as you defend the Daytona 200 crown, the second oldest major sporting event in the United States. You were the winner last year over the 14-time world champion, Augustini from Italy, the great Venezuelan youngster, Johnny Sakata. What kind of a race will the Daytona 200 be this year? Well, the Daytona race this year will have the Kenny Roberts and uh, Barry Sheen and the other riders. There'll be about 58 other entries from Europe, and so uh, it's going to be one... Uh, uh, fantastic race. Uh, you know, Daytona is the biggest race in the, in the world as far as motorcycles is concerned, so we're looking forward to a big race uh, on March the 7th. Well, it'll be the largest sports migration in United States history. Two B, uh, B7, two 747s and 31 other planes from Europe and South America are coming here to see if the Europeans or the South Americans can beat you, Gene. Well, that's true, but uh, we have uh, several other American riders that are going to defend the championship here, and uh, we're definitely going to try and keep the goal here in the United States. You've had your share of moments, but last year in the Daytona 200 motorcycle race, we saw a guy step off a motorcycle right here in the trioval at 187 miles per hour. Barry Sheen just having to climb off and taking a wicked crash that broke his leg and his arm. It's pretty scary business that you're involved in, Romero. Yeah, that's true. That's possibly one of the reasons why I'm down here watching these uh, Grand National stock car races. Uh, there's a lot of metal around them, but uh, on the other hand, uh, it's just like any other type of uh, racing. Uh, you, you get accustomed to what is uh, going on, and if you're on good equipment and that, uh, it isn't that big of a problem unless a fluke happens once in a while. Well, Gene Romero, one of the greats who uh, will be here to race in the Daytona 200, and until you've seen those motorcycles at 190 miles per hour in the banking, Marty Robbins, you've missed one of the great thrills of American motorsport, and Romero is probably one of the greatest racers the United States has produced. We've got to get him in a stock car, though. I've, I've never got to watch the races, motorcycle races, going that fast. But if, I, if I'm not working, I'm going to make it a point to come down and watch Gene. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Gene Romero, thank you for coming by. We'll see you on March the 7th, and you'll hear it on many of these same stations, the Daytona 200, with Gene Romero against the world's greatest Augustini right here at Daytona. Okay, thank you very much, and uh, if Marty comes down, we'll uh, let him take a spin on my bike. Okay. No way. <laughs> From Daytona International Speedway, we're getting set for a restart of action here with 38 laps complete. A second blown engine. They are indicating one lap, and they're going to turn them loose another time. Buddy Baker, when he was in the pits that time, he had the hood up, and they've also gone all the way around on tires. They've changed all four tires on the Baker car in that last pit stop. And on the second time on pit road, car number 71, Marcus had the hood up, and the mechanics were again inside the car on pit road. Can any of our pit reporters give us a condition report on the K&K &K Dodge? This is Ken Campbell in the pits. Uh, it's an alternator problem with the car 71. We also saw the Gatorade car here take on all four tires, and uh, there seemed, didn't seem to be any real concern over that oil problem. I have Earl Ross here with me now. Earl, what happened out there? Well, I uh, blew the engine just about three-quarters of the way around turn two, and uh, that's all. But no warning? No warning, no. And now back to the tower. 
The sixth car has just retired, Dick May, and another Chevrolet is blown at a caution. That is the sixth Chevrolet to expire in the early going. 38 laps down. They'll be completing 39 when they come by as the Pontiac safety car pulls in. Ladies and gentlemen, the 18th annual Daytona 500 is getting it on once again. And out in front, car number 21, the Silver Fox from Spartanburg, David Pearson. Takes that Mercury prepared by the Wood Brothers down into the first turn. Pearson works his way around Salt Walther, who's riding up at the front of that pack, goes real high in the groove, and coming up, and I mean coming up, at the bottom of the racetrack is A.J. Point. Point nails off six cars as they come out of turn number two, but it will be Pearson, Bobby Allison, Richard Petty, and then A.J. Point. Point tries to thread the needle through the traffic here. He runs in the fourth position, but on the inside comes the Cam 2 Mercury of Bobby Allison. He will be your new leader in turn three. As they hit the banking, Bobby Allison leads the Daytona 500 for the first time today. He puts Pearson behind him. Petty is right there. Down low on the racetrack comes Foyt, riding in the fourth spot. Cuckoo Marlin has moved up to annex fifth position. The 1975 runner-up in the Daytona 500, Bobby Allison, leader of the Alabama gang, leads the Daytona 500 at the end of lap number 40. Allison in front, now the Mercury. It's two Mercury side-by-side, the Camp 2 car prepared by Roger Penske, the Wood Brothers car, wheel-to-wheel in turn one. Now they're racing like it's the last lap, and again, the Mercury goes back out in front of David Pearson. Petty moves into second spot. Allison is third. Point is fourth. Whoops, correct that. Point goes into third spot now. It is still Pearson out front, Petty, Point, and then Allison, and then Darrell Walker. They just hellhounded back here on the back straightaway. Now running single file. Now all of a sudden on the inside, A.J. Foyt from Houston, Texas, goes to the inside of Petty for second. A thundering herd of 3,700-pound stock cars, and the guy up front is A.J. Foyt. Foyt goes to the bottom as Pearson and Petty rim ride, and Foyt makes it stick as he holds first position off the turn. Chevrolet is out in front. It is car number 28, the Gilmore car with A.J. Foyt, the Purelator car, runs in second to Mercury. The STP Dodge runs in third as they go screaming out of the trial. The fastest place in the racetrack, about 187 miles per hour, and they're just inches apart as they hit turn one. Five cars in that lead draft, two more about to join on the tail end, and here comes Baker making his move back in the pack. It is still Foyt, Pearson, Petty, Allison, Waltrip, Benny Parsons, and Baker is on the move. Buddy Baker now trying to sift his way up and catch that draft. They're running single file, as polite as ladies at a church social, but look out for Buddy Baker. He gets by Ramos Stott. Classic Daytona racing. They're all lined up seven deep as they come around the high banking, and it's that brilliant, fiery, orange Gilmore broadcasting number 28 that we've seen so many times up front. Car number 78, Dick Skillen, Claremont, New Hampshire, is slowing down on the bottom of turns one and two. A.J. Foyt comes by with David Pearson pulling up, and it's just one and eight-tenths seconds over the first seven automobiles as they hellhound the high banks of the world's finest motor speedway. In turn, number one, a lot of smoke beginning to come out from beneath one automobile. Barney Hall. That is still Buddy Baker, and that smoke continues to pour. Waltrip now making a move. Here comes Baker moving around. Cuckoo Marlin He's about to catch those six cars riding up front. Baker, your seventh-place man, continues to show the smoke down the back straightaway, but he is catching that lead draft. It's Foyt in front. Now the smoke comes out way, oh, an awful lot of it here in turn three on Buddy Baker's car. As they come through the high bank throughout Speed Week, we haven't had a traffic jam like this at Atlantic and Beach Boulevard with the thousands of people who have come in here. Literally a nine-car traffic jam on the banking. 
It's rush hour traffic at 180 miles per hour. Here they come. Foyt just barely in front of David Pearson, just barely in front of Richard Petty. And the smoke continues to rush out of the back end of car number 15, the Norris Industries automobile, as it goes to turn one. What a magnificent side on the banking here in the east-west end of the speedway. Baker continues to pour that smoke, sitting back on the tail end of that draft. Foyt is still the leader. Pearson is second. Petty third. Allison fourth. Waltrip is fifth. Then Parsons. Then Baker. Knowing that these cars will run faster in a draft, they all tag it together. Rear bumper to front bumper. Baker just coming unglued here with white smoke. Gets to the inside of Benny Parsons. Baker continues to be the question mark. He moves up into sixth spot at Benny Parsons. He's got to think, why me? Why me? As he rides behind Buddy Baker and gets that smoke into his windshield. The field motors by as they come around a complete 44, and now Richard Petty goes to the bottom of the trioval. On the outside, it's car number 28, A.J. Foyt, and the smoke really coming out as Baker continues to torture the Ford going into turn number one. There is a tremendous amount of smoke from beneath the automobile. He's pulled up into fourth position. Car number 21, David Pearson, is now maintaining a one-car length lead as they work the 45th lap that will bring them to 112 and a half miles complete. The 40-lap rundown then had car number two, Allison, leading with David Pearson second, Richard Petty in third, going fourth, A.J. Foyt. Fifth was Cuckoo Marlin. Sixth was Darrell Waltrip. Seventh was Benny Parsons from 32nd. Then in eighth was car number 83, being driven by Ramo Stott. Ninth was Buddy Baker, and the tenth position was the number 63 car of Terry Bivens. In eleventh was Lenny Pond. Twelfth was Dave Marcus. Thirteenth was Terry Ryan. Fourteenth was Cecil Gordon. Fifteenth was the number 47 car of Bruce Hill. In the sixteenth position, number 29, being driven by Roy Smith. And seventeenth was David Hobbs, who led momentarily. Car number 47, Bruce Hill, is now into the pits and may be retiring from the race. Buddy Ken, Arrington's automobile and James Hilton are also on pit road. Ken Squire, this is Joe Alloway in the garage. Bush, uh, Bruce Hill's car has been pushed into the garage. Just moments before that, Dick May brought his car in and Earl Ross' car came in. That makes seven Chevrolets that are here in the garage. Only one may possibly get back into contention. That's David Sisko. So now back to the tower. The first seven retirees are all Chevrolets. Here come the leaders, and Baker is being brought into the pits. The radio control from Bud Moore to the Baker car, and he's being told to brought the automobile and to bring it on pit road now, and that's just exactly where he's brought it. Meanwhile, car number 88 now begins to show a bit more smoke. Number 48, James Hilton, Nitro 9 Chevrolet, that's been running very well in the early going. He had been right up in the thick of the hunt, is now being rolled back and apparently going to the garage area. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the motor. Richard Petty and A.J. Foyt continue their own battle out here around the speedway. Two Ken Squire, this is Barney Hall in turn two. Another car here in trouble. Dave Marcus, a lot of smoke from his car. And now Marcus is way off the pace of the K&K Dodge moving down toward turn three. Dave Marcus still running under his own power, but Barney, you're right, he's going very slow, but he's not on the safety apron. He's staying a little bit in the banking here in turn three. Meanwhile, Darrell Waltrip, who came in with a lot of smoke from beneath the automobile, is coming back on the track. They made a tire change, right side tires, and added fuel, and that was about the whole story on that automobile. He might have cut a tire down, but Waltrip Ken, is... Ken Squire? Go that's, ahead. That's exactly what happened to Waltrip. The right rear, rear tire is shredded and uh, was in real bad shape. Back to the tower. So Waltrip on an unscheduled stop after he shreds a tire going down the back stretch at about 185 miles an hour has pitted his automobile, taken on right side rubber, and he has rejoined the throng. Meanwhile, here comes the Marcus car. Number 71, the Harry Hyde car is coming in extremely slow. 
It's coming down on a pit road, and this looks like it could be a criminal case. Ian Squire. Go ahead. Buddy Baker's car has a cracked oil breather, and they're using tape to try to put it back together. Back to you in the tower. That's the story on the Baker automobile, which we have seen in trouble, and how the plume of smoke around the Speedway. Meanwhile, leadership is car number 28, A.J. Foyt, is out in front with a two and eight ten second lead over the Pearson car, which is running in third. A.J. and Richard Petty continuing their own draft up in front here in the Daytona 500 as we complete 50 laps of competition, 125 of 500 miles now in the record book. With 50 laps complete, car number 28, A.J. Foyt, is out in front of the Daytona 500's 18th running. Richard Petty runs in second. David Pearson, number 21, is in third. The front two cars have set up a draft, and they're trying to work away from the remainder of the field, but it's awfully early in the race for that to be effective. Usually, if you can get a two-car draft and haul away from the remainder of the competitors, midway or after in the race, then you've got a chance. Number 71, Marcus, has gone behind the wall. Dave Marcus's Dodge is the first Dodge automobile to retire, and all the other retirees, this makes 10 because James Hilton has come out, as well as Williams, the shirt's Texas driver. Nine Chevrolets and one Dodge are behind the wall. Remember, the majority of cars in the race, Chevrolet with 32, four Dodges, two Fords, and two Mercuries comprise the starting lineup today. Ramo Stott, number 83, is also on pit road, and they are taking on right side tires. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Down in turn, number two, we've had a change of leadership. Richard Petty momentarily grabbed it away from A.J. Foyt, and then A.J. put the hammer down. Car number 28 takes a four-car length advantage into the backstretch over Richard Petty's STP Dodge. They're going into turn number three, and Petty once again is shrinking the lead of A.J. Foyt, the lead rapidly being eroded by that big Dodge automobile, which is running very well. The Chevrolet of Haas Ellington, Prepared by Ellington for A.J. Boyd. Had a lot of engine trouble and distributor trouble in the 125 milers on Thursday. It's running beautifully right now, but the Dodge, lurking like a shark with open jaws, goes after him at turn number one, and there's a long way remaining. They're going into the first turn, a two-car draft, which is pulled away from the third-place automobile by now two and nine-tenths seconds. A two and nine-tenths second interval between the second and third-place automobiles. Petty in second and David Pearson seeking his first 500 victory in third. We pause now for station identification. Coming around to complete 54 laps, 55 laps, 137 and a half miles, the leaders are nose to tail, A.J. Foyt and Richard Petty. What a battle this one is. The Gilmore Broadcasting Chevrolet and the STP Dodge. Here are the two and the only two six-time national champions, A.J. Foyt, six-time United States Auto Club champion, Richard Petty, the only six-time Winston Cup NASCAR Grand National champion. They're running nose to tail around the speedway. Super Tex in the number 28 going down the backstretch. And now the interval from the second-place car back to third is three and eight-tenths seconds. That lead draft is pulling away. The last lap at 181.086 miles per hour for A.J. Foyt. Here he comes back into the main straightaway. The car looking extremely strong after problems all week long for this machine. Foyt ready to lap three automobiles, the David Hobbs car, the Richard Childress car, and the Johnny Ray automobile as he moves down into the first turn. Let's go to Barney Hall at turn one. 
Hoyt continues to maintain just about a one-car separation. Petty is really putting a move on him just as they come out of turn two every time around. Rich will pull right up on his bumper or swing down to the inside and move up alongside just to let A.J. know he's there. Here he goes again down the backstretch, and Petty, Petty just literally pushes him down to turn three. It's straight and true down here in turn number three. Foyt in front, Petty second. Running a nice race, though, is third and fourth, Pearson and Parsons, as they go nose to tail in a nice draft. The 31st and 32nd qualifiers on this field now run first and fourth. A.J. Foyt, the leader, qualified 31st. Benny Parsons started 32nd, and they're both running in that lead quartet. The 50-lap rundown, and here comes A.J. Foyt going beneath car number 28. He worked off David Hobbs, a lapped automobile, and Foyt has to go way to the bottom of the track as they're running three deep down into turn number one. The 50-lap standings as the STP Dodge takes the lead in the beginning of lap 58. The 50-lap rundown was Foyt then first, Petty second, Pearson third, Benny Parsons from 32nd up to fourth. In the fifth position was car number two, Bobby Allison. In sixth was Cuckoo Marlin. Seventh was Lenny Pond. Eighth was Terry Bivens. Running in the ninth position was the number 63 of, of Bivens. The eighth position was Terry Ryan. Ninth was Bivens. And tenth was Ramo Stott. Eleventh was Cecil Gordon. And going twelfth was David Hobbs, all in the same lap. Hobbs has just been overtaken by the front two automobiles. He is now one lap down. Thirteenth on the field is car number 29. And the driver is Roy Smith. In fourteenth is Darrell Waltrip. Fifteenth is the Armorall car, Neil Bonnet. Running 16th is Richard Childress, and 17th is James Hilton. In 18th, two laps down, is Johnny Ray. 19th is Frank Warren in the Native Tan Dodge. 20th is Buddy Baker in the Norris Industries car. And 21st is Scott in the Walter Ballard car number 30. 22nd is car number 4, Salt Walther. Running 23rd is the number 82 car of Skip Manning. The 24th position is car number 67, Buddy Arrington. Running 25th is car number 95, Jim Herdebees. And 26th is Ed McGree of Kelso, Washington, who had started dead last on the field. He has come from 42nd position up to 26. The average speed at 50 laps was 145.489 miles per hour for the first 20, 125 miles of competition and there had been 14 lead changes among nine drivers and there had been two caution flags brought out with blown engines here in the early going. We're coming up to 60 laps complete. Richard Petty is now in front in car number 43. In the second spot is A.J. Foyt in that two-car draft rapidly working away from the remainder of the field in this the most gigantic stock car race in the world. The battle goes into turn number three, and it's side-by-side. Side. The STP Dodge is high on the speedway. A.J. Foyt on the bottom. There's a lap car in front of him as Foyt tried to go low and saw the lap car and simply decided he could not make his move there. Had to content himself with ducking back underneath the leader, Richard Petty. Ken Squire, we note that Buddy Baker still has one of the fastest... Oh, trouble up in turn number two. A blown engine as the car spins back up into the groove. It is a Ty Scott in car number 30, the Walter Ballard car. He has come to rest on the apron of the track. A lot of smoke as the cars scream up high on the wall and miss him. He is sitting right on the apron of the track here in turn number two, but nobody gets in contact with him. Back to the tower. Ty Scott, that's the Walter Ballard automobile, number 30. And Ty Scott has just crashed in turn number two. He was running 21st on the field. Caution is out for the third time of the Daytona 500 as we reach 60 laps, 150 miles complete. Let's go back to Barney Hall for a report from turn two. 
was a hairy moment. It looked like it was going to be a repeat of yesterday, what happened here when one of the cars, Larry Shile from Houston, Texas, in the Permatex race, did the same thing, blew an engine, came down on the apron, locked the car up, hoping to keep it down there, but it went back in traffic. Today, Scott started back up into traffic and got it back down on the apron and kept it there, but the tail end of the car is sitting up in that first groove. Everybody went high in the groove. There was a lot of smoke. Could have been real bad for a second, but everybody made the right maneuver and went up against the wall. Car continues to rest there. The driver still in the machine. Let's go back to the tower. Ken Square, we have Harry Hyde here with us. The, the uh, mechanic on car number 71, Harry Hyde, is standing by. Let's go out to the pits right now. Uh, Harry, I, your car is behind the wall. Do you think you'll get back into the race? Uh, Kenny, we're going to try to... Uh pull a cylinder head and maybe get back in for the last half. Uh, we left here, left the track yesterday afternoon, and we were running real good, uh, so perfect, until we all really got a good night's sleep. But I guess that's what racing's all about. If you knew what was going to happen, why, you wouldn't come here in the first place. Harry, could you tell us what you said earlier before the race about if your car stayed together? Well, uh... Bob, but yeah, we uh, we were coming so good uh, uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, we had no problem at all. And we were said, running. You said if the car stayed together, it's going to find you in victory lane. Right? Oh well, yes, we got a good night's sleep over it, and we thought we was the best there was here. And uh, I told you that I'd see you in victory lane if it didn't break, and uh, that's exactly the way I felt about it. But. Uh, like I told Kenny, you don't, if you knew what was going to happen, you wouldn't come here in the first place. That's why they run it, isn't it? I guess that's what makes it a great sport, yes. Back to Penn Squire. My bad break for a 30-year veteran as a boss wrench, Harry Hyde of the K&K &K car. His automobile now out. We are under caution. Craig Nalen, who is the chairman of uh, STP, is here with us for a moment and getting an opportunity to see this one from the high side of the racetrack. Did I say that right, chairman of the board and president? Well, Craig, what do you think of all of this stuff? Well, it's hard to be anything but just terribly excited by the whole thing, uh, Ken. I tell you, they talk about baseball uh, or football being the, uh, the true American sport, but it just takes uh, somebody to spend an afternoon out here at one of these NASCAR events, and I want to tell you, this is the number one American sport. Not much question about it. The concentration level of a guy like Richard Petty is absolutely amazing. 181 mile per hour laps we've had turned all afternoon, and he never misses a beat. No timeouts, nothing to do but just sit there and try to gather it all up and keep it working and win this race for you. You must be delighted with that STP Dodge. Well, I'll tell you, Richard Petty is Mr. Cool. He is 100% a professional, and uh, we've enjoyed our association with him, and we think uh, what he does and what we do at STP are very compatible with one another. Well, Craig Nalen, thank you for coming by for a moment. Largest crowd we've ever had here, well over 100,000, up toward 130,000 this afternoon to see this car. And with radio and television, they're all over the world. It's, ooh, here comes Baker coming in, and he almost got tagged by the Armorall car as he pulled down on the pit road. It must be a pleasure for you people to find yourself involved in an activity like this, which has so much interest in the ratings coast to coast. It sure does, and it's just right on target with, uh, with the kind of market that we're going for and that we have always been identified with, uh, high performance and technical skill. That's what we're all about, and that's what Richard Petty's all about. Craig Nalen coming by for a moment from the STP Corporation. A delight to have you with us around the world today, and uh, thank you for spending a moment up here in the, in the radio booth. Thank you, Ken. Number 54, Lenny Pond, is now pitting his automobile. We are working the 63rd lap, and we are under caution from Daytona International Speedway. This is the Motor Racing Network. One lap, and they will be racing. 
one lap, and they will be racing. We are in the 64th lap here of the Daytona 500. 200 laps marking the distance, and after this caution period, we're getting set for another go. 136 laps remaining in the event, 160 miles have been completed, 340 to go, and we'll have a bundle of automobiles running for the lead, and Buddy Baker is back in the lead lap. Baker's pulled himself back up with his pit stop, he's moved around, and finds himself back with the leader. Now, we are working with car number 28, A.J. Foyt in front, Richard Petty in second, and car number two on the third position. That's Bobby Allison. Let's go on the backstretch. Backstretch, they're starting to put the slower cars to the inside, the faster cars to the outside. We have the lights extinguished on the Pontiac safety car. Ken Squire, it looks as if we're going to have one whale of a start as they hit your turn. As they move into the high banking, Buddy Baker should be running right up there with the leaders, Ken, after a dramatic move here when that yellow flag came out on the last lap before the caution. The rule is that you race to the start-finish line on caution. Baker came charging up around A.J. Foyt and Richard Petty, beat them to the finish line, unlapped himself, and that car, which was so strong early, should be right back in that lead draft. A.J. Foyt sits on the point as the Pontiac safety car brings them toward you, Ken Squire. In the 60th lap rundown, car number 43, Petty, has the lead. They're moving down. The Pontiac pace car is pulling in, and the lead automobile is as they come to the line. It'll be Foyt's automobile, number 28, for the lead as they go streaming into the first turn. Foyt leads him down to the corner. He is drafted by Terry Ryan, who started on the outside pole, and those two cars have broken away from the rest of the traffic, about a 10-car separation. Suddenly, out of that traffic comes Richard Petty's STP Dodge. Petty trying to catch up with leader Foyt. They work their way into turn two. It will be Foyt out front. Petty in second. Allison's in third position. Pearson rides fourth. One king tries to dethrone another one as Foyt is in front. The STP Dodge puts the hammer down and chases down your lead automobile. Richard Petty is on the move. Identical paint jobs on the two lead cars up there. A.J. Foyt and Terry Ryan both in brilliant orange, but it's Richard Petty who is storming up from the back, running in third spot in that pack, and he's got Bobby Allison right on his tail as they exit the banking. As they come by... To complete lap number 66, lead automobile is car number 28. It is still the A.J. Foyt automobile just barely in front. Terry Bivens stays right in the thick of things out here as they go down into that first turn another time. Richard Petty tightens it up even more. Petty about six car links back. He has between himself and Foyt now Terry Ryan's car. Allison, meanwhile, has picked up a tight draft on Richard Petty as he rides back in third position. Pearson trying to work his way around one of the cars as they go down the backstretch. Petty moves out to put a move on Ryan. He can't get around. They're very close. Oh, somebody in the wall up in turn number two. It will be David Hobbs, Coca-Cola machine. Hobbs scrubs the wall, keeps it right out against the concrete as the field shoots down to the inside of the track. But David Hobbs really tagged the wall here in turn two back to the tower. David Hobbs, the Coca-Cola red and white, number 73, has slammed the wall at turn two. It stays in the wall, going down the backstretch. And the leaders come by, and the caution comes on for the fourth time this afternoon. Caution is out for the fourth time today. The Hobbs automobile has slid about 1,000 feet down near Jack Root's location. I believe it's come off the wall now, right, Jack? That's correct, Ken. In fact, he's got it under power still. He, he did a tremendous job. He just kept laying it into the wall, turning that wheel to the right and hitting that slate gray wall, and now it looks as if he's going to make a hasty entrance to the pit area. Back to the tower. 167 and one-half miles have been completed, and the action is aplenty here today in the Daytona 500. Hello, friends. Ken Squire with a racetrack quiz. Know a place where your kids can take the wheel of a Lamont-style motor car and race their friends down the home stretch? 
Well, the place is called the Old Country at Bush Garden, Williamsburg, the best of Europe on this side of the Atlantic. Kids like the rides and adventures, and adults enjoy the shop shows and famous Anheuser-Busch hospitality. One low daily admission covers a full day of fun for the whole family. So if you're planning a trip, plan to see Europe at Bush Gardens, the Old Country, just a few miles east of Williamsburg, Virginia. Richard Petty's the undisputed king of stock car racing. He's the only driver to win this mighty Daytona 500 five different times. No one else has won it more than once. And Richard's the only driver to win more than three NASCAR Grand National Championships, too. Last year, Richard Petty and his Dodge captured championship number six. Spark to victory, after victory, after victory by champion spark plugs. When you need plugs, do what Richard Petty does. Fill her up with Champion. In the Daytona 500 with 68 laps now complete, car number 28, A.J. Foyt, is showing the way. A crash out of turn number two, which has caused some cosmetic damage, but doesn't seem to be as bad as it could have been, is on the automobile number 73 of David Hobbs, now on pit road. He nudged the wall and just slid along that wall. There's a bit of a gash down the side of the car on the right-hand side where he scrubbed along. But other than that, doesn't look too bad, and maybe he'll be able to get back out here. It smoldered as it went along through there as if it might have been an engine, but that, too, could have been a tire in trouble. At 60 laps, the field was averaging 150.208 miles per hour, and there had been 17 lead changes among 11 drivers. Marty Robbins, some kind of race out here today. Well, <laughs> I was resting there. <laughs> it really is. I, I tell you what, I wish the, pit, that the world could see what you're doing up here. If they knew just all, just what kind of a team you had to, to uh, do this announcing, uh, I didn't. I didn't know this much went into it, you know. And I always say when I, I'm home, not the races I listen. Man, this is fantastic what you're doing here. Well, it's kind of fun, too. It's the best seat in the house to see this great 500 from. Number 79, Frank Warren is in for left-side tires. Darrell Waltrip's number 88 is in for right-side tires. The number 60 car, that's the Jackie Rogers machine, is in, and the hood is up, and they're now rolling. Car number 73, Hobbs car on pit road, and it may be the Coca-Cola car is about to be retired. Number 95 is also pulled on pit road. That's Jim Herdebees in the Moran Chevrolet, car number 95, Herdebees. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. One lap, and they will be racing once again here in the Daytona 500. The Hobbs car has gone behind the wall. That is the 11th to retire. We understand that at least three automobiles may be trying to get back in this race. Let's get that report from the garage area. Ten cars are out of the race now. Of course, the first nine that came to the garage area were all Chevrolets, Ken. And we do have a Dodge. That's Dave Marcus, K&K &K Dodge. And Dave came into the pit area. And they did some checking on the car. They brought it to the garage. They said it's skipping. They feel like they can correct the problem and take it back out on the racetrack. Of course, David Sisko's been working on his automobile, trying to change the engine for almost an hour. And James Hilton is trying to change the clutch out in his car. So this could change it from 10 back to 7, putting three cars back out on the track. Ken, that's the story from here. Now back to Radio Control. We asked Benny Parsons why the engines are coming apart this year. I think we're just... Uh most of us are simply trying to get so much more horsepower than ever before because uh, horsepower is the name of the game at Daytona. We're all searching for it. And when you search for it, you try to 
use as a little amount of fuel as you can. You try to build your combustion chamber heat so that, uh, you know, when that gas comes in there and the spark plug ignites it, it's ready to blow up, you know, and really make some horsepower. You try to run them what we call lean, and they make more horsepower at that. But if you get them too lean, the heat drives a hole right through the piston. And uh, I think this has been a lot of the problems. Plus, we've had, you know, valve problem uh, sticking in that. Whatever the problems are, the horsepower goes back to work as the field moves into turn number one. 71 laps complete, and car number 28, A.J. Foyt, has himself in front as they go to the first turn. Foyt jumps out of the point real quick as they hit the turn, moves away from the field. Richard Petty trying to shut down the distance on him now. They come into turn number two. It will be Terry Ryan has moved around Foyt and rides in front of A.J., but he is not the leader. Here comes Petty, closing the gap. Buddy Baker has moved into third position. It's Baker making the strong move here on the restart. Now he closes to the inside of Richard Petty. He's going to try and challenge A.J. Foyt. Foyt gets by Terry Ryan to put him a lap down again. Foyt and Baker both go to the inside. Now Petty comes underneath Terry Ryan, and he falls back to fourth in the draft. He is a lap down. Foyt is your leader. Baker right second. Petty is third. As they come back to the line, number 28, A.J. Foyt is in front. Here comes number 15, Baker, coming around to go on the bottom of the racetrack and back in the lead lap. That puts him back in the lap with the leaders. Are we right? Indeed. Baker is back out, and now, of course, he's hoping for another quick caution flag so he can circulate around the speedway and move right in with the leaders another time. He is running two and a half miles minus about two car lengths behind the leader. He is back in the lap of the leader, number 15, but not for long. Here comes A.J. Foyt's number 28, Richard Petty's number 43, hanging right with him on the back stretch as they're about to overlap Jackie Rogers in turn three. Superstars of NASCAR racing showing what it's all about as they go high and almost brush that Daytona USA sign, working their way around a slower car at the bottom of the speedway. A three-car nose-to-tail train. As they come back to the tri-oval, number 28, is out in front, A.J. Foyt, tracking up Buddy Baker with Richard Penny in second, then Terry Bivens, a lap car, followed by car number two, Allison, the Cam 2, first National Traveler's Check automobile, right in the middle of the hunt, right in the first turn. David Pearson tried to put a move on Allison that time to move up a notch, but he couldn't do it. Pearson went to the bottom of the track. It is still Foyt in the lead. Petty is second. Back in third is Waltrip. Fourth is Allison. Here goes Allison moving around Waltrip down the back stretch. Allison with a fine move on the inside. He looks like he might run out of room, though, because Terry Ryan closes in on the low group. Allison gets by Waltrip. Allison gets it done, moves up into the fourth spot, and closes up on the rear deck. Correction, third spot on the field, moving right up behind Ryan and taking advantage of that draft as Foyt continues to lead. As they move down into the trioval area, car number 15, it is the Baker car once again exerting itself to go back into a lead lap as Richard Petty and A.J. Foyt switch positions, dancing down into the first turn. Some beautiful driving by those two. At the present time, the STP Dodge of Richard Petty, number 43, is leading the Daytona 500. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. The 70-lap rundown at car number 28. A.J. Foyt leading with Richard Petty in second, Bobby Allison third, Kaylee, rather, uh, David Pearson fourth, and Cuckoo Marlin fifth with a sixth spot belonging to Terry Bivens in number 63 doing a terrific job. In seventh was the Lenny Pond automobile. Eighth was car number 72. That is the machine being driven by Benny Parsons. And ninth was Cecil Gordon. They were shown in the same lap. In the tenth position was, Terry, was the 
Ryan Carr, one lap down, and in 11th was Buddy Baker with Paul belonging to Darrell Waldrip. The 13th position car was the 83 machine of Ramo Stott running two laps back, and 14th was Neil Bonnet in the Armorall car. 15th was Richard Childress. 16th was Frank Warren. That was at 70 laps complete here in the Daytona 500. A.J. Foy tries to put a move on Richard Petty, and he's being blocked by Buddy Baker. Petty, that is, as they hit you, Dave Despain. And Foyt goes low on the racetrack, working as he breaks out of the draft and goes side-by-side side with uh, Richard Petty, and they'll be back in line as they get to you, Ken Squire. As they come around, they complete the 77th lap. 192 and a half miles have been completed, and there are 123 laps remaining in the event. We'd like to remind you that the Winston Cup Grand National Circuit moves on next week to Richmond, Virginia for the Richmond 400. Then on February 29th, the Carolina 500. They'll be moving to March 14th, Bristol, Tennessee, Southeastern 500. On March the 21st, the Atlanta 500 in Atlanta, Georgia. April 4th, the Gwyn Staley 400 at North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. April 11th, the Rebel 500 in Darlington, South Carolina. April 25th, Martinsville, Virginia for the Virginia 500. Then on May the second, the Winston 500 at Talladega, Alabama. And ticket offices are open at most of those racing facilities today if you care to get tickets for this great competition as we're seeing it today in the Daytona 500. Leaders come by with Teddy first and now Bobby Allison in the second position. Ken Squire, this is Joe Alloy in the garage. You were talking a minute ago about Talladega and a former Talladega winner is watching the race now, but he says he'll be back out racing in a few minutes. James, what, uh, James Hilton, what's the story on the car? We had some debris uh, fly up off the, right, the racetrack and got into the uh, flywheel and clutch and tore up the uh, pressure plate, and the boys are putting us in a new one now. You're the eighth Chevrolet to drop out today. The others came out with engine problems. How about your engine? Engine running fine. The, the car was working real good, and it just, uh, you know, you run over some debris out there, and it just happened to hit the flywheel, and, you know, that's just uh, what you call bad luck or racing, and, uh, you know, that's nothing. You can't blame that on the Chevrolet. So James Hilton will be back out on the track very shortly. Ken, we'll turn it back to you at Radio Control. So we have six cars in this lead lap, four of which are competitive, the other two a lap down or more. With number 43, Richard Petty out in front. Number 28, A.J. Boyd continues to sustain second at this time with the Cam 2 automobile dropping back into third spot. Bobby Allison running fourth. Number 21, David Pearson in the Daytona 500. With at the Daytona International Speedway with 80 laps down. The lead car continues to be number 43. It's Richard Petty out in front. In the second position is car number two is being shown. Bobby Allison wheeling back around another time. And Dave to Spain, Allison begins to look like the Penske people have the horsepower and the ability to bring this car home today. We watch the car as it works through the banking here in turn three and four, and it rides like on rails, Ken. It definitely has been a significant factor throughout the race. He's led, I believe, only a one lap of the event, but he's been with that lead draft all day. That lead draft right now has six cars in it. Buddy Baker on the front end of the draft is a lap down. Daryl Waltrip on the tail end, also a lap down. But right there in the middle, you've got four cars, any one of which is capable of winning this race. Back to radio control. Car number 73, David Hobbs, is back on pit road. Hobbs coming in. Remember, that car was in the wall and turned two and was able to continue along. The front draft of six automobiles, about a second and a half between them now. Four of those cars are in the lead lap and flying. Richard Petty is out in front. Car number two runs that second position, the Cam 2 automobile. Now he's dropped back. He stays up there. 
Tommy Allison and A.J. Boyd continue their own vendetta for second position in the Daytona 500. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. We're working the 85th lap under caution as Buddy Baker's engine expires here in the Daytona 500. Hasn't been Baker's year ever here in this big race. He's been on the pole with the K&K car. His best finish ever was a second back in 1971, a fifth in 1968, and now he's really felt the tough one. Uh, Marty Robbins, you have yourself all geared. You're really in business, and you think you're going to have it come out as a good day, and it comes to this. No, he's, he's really uh, not too happy about that because what he needed was the yellow. <laughs> it just happened that it was him that caused it, you know, so I guess that's the way it goes, though. Well, that's that's what they call racing luck. You've had more than your share of that. That must be awfully hard, though. You get all psyched up and you're running well, and all of a sudden the engine does a chug-a-lug. Yeah, I know I know how it feels, although I'm not a champion or anything like that, but I do know how it feels to be able to compete with the world's best drivers. And just feel like you're going to finish good, you know, and then something like a blown engine uh, will take you out of the race. The time and speed computations used by Motor Racing Network today are being computed on the Olivetti, the U582, and we'd like to thank them and Mac Knight for their work with us throughout the course of the afternoon. We understand the engine in Petty's car was assembled last night in the truck, never run until the race started today. It's working pretty well, thank you. Ken Squire. Go ahead. This is Dave Despain in turn four, where one of the heartwarming scenes in racing has just been played out. This giant of a man, Buddy Baker, who fell upon the bad luck that you just talked about, his car helpless now, rolling five, ten miles an hour, finally getting an assist from a push truck. And Buddy, the hero that he is, has a big wave for all his fans, and he got a standing ovation down here at Campbell Grandstand. Back to radio control. Car number 95, Jim Herdebees on pit road, and here's Waltrip in for right side rubber once again as car number 63, Terry Bivens of Shawnee Mission, Kansas, is being shown as the leader. He has been the big surprise in the race thus far. He stayed right up there with the leaders right from the inception of the event. With 80 laps down, car number 43, Richard Petty, is shown as the leader. Then in the second spot was car number 2, Allison. A.J. Foyt was third. David Pearson in fourth. Running in fifth, Benny Parsons in sixth. Lenny Pond in seventh, Cuckoo Marlin. Eighth was number 63, this Terry Bivens car that's now showing on the board in front after these pit stops. Ninth, Cecil Gordon, and tenth was Buddy Baker. And then the engine came unglued. Running 11th was Darrell Waltrip, and 12th was car number 81, Ryan. They were running one lap down. In 13th was car number 83, Ramo Stott, and in 14th was Neil Bonnet. In the 15th spot, number 79, Frank Warren. In 16th was car number 10, Johnny Ray. In 17th was J.D. McDuffie, and 18th was Jim Herdebees, and they were averaging 145.962 miles per hour. That was with 80 laps complete on the track. 80 laps complete. Hilton's automobile is coming back on the speedway. They've concluded the repair job on that car, and number 48 is getting ready to go once again. Hilton, Ken Squire, as yes. he comes back out of the garage area, David Sisko has just fired his car. They are bringing it down off the jacks. You should see him back out on the track. It took an hour and 10 minutes to change a motor in this race car. Now back to radio control. The Cecil Gordon automobile has just come out. 43 was in for four tires and gas, as well as David Pearson and car number two, the automobile that uh, was being driven and is being driven by Bobby Allison. Here's the 61 car back on the speedway another time, Joe Mahalik of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
the chairman of the board of the Reynolds Tobacco folks who have put together this $4.2 million Winston Cup Grand National Series is here for a moment. Bill Hobbs, largest crowd ever for the Daytona 500, bids fair to be a great Winston Cup season in 1976. It sure looks like it's going to be a great year this year with this tremendous crowd that's out here for today. Hi, Ken. How are you today? <laughs> well, something's got to be working. Largest crowd we've had in, at uh, NASCAR and Winston Cup just has to be a great combination. Well, the first race of the season was a, um, a near record breaker on, on Super Bowl Sunday out there at Riverside, California. And this one today is right up there with the all-time record-breaking attendance figures for any sport in the United States of America. Hold on, now we're checking down Pit Road. Everything looks... Here's Benny Parsons now coming on Pit Road. Parsons, the eighth-place automobile. It certainly worked out well for Reynolds, this combination of motorsports and the Winston Cup NASCAR stock cars. Yes, it has, Ken. You know, we're going into our sixth year, and we are certainly happy with the, with the results so far and the performance of all the, the events, and it just has to be the greatest athletes around. And the race is really competitive. You're seeing the greatest in the world in race car circuits. Well, thank you for coming by, Bill Hobbs from R.J. Reynolds, who are the people responsible for the Winston Cup and what makes this $4.2 million series really click is uh, the Winston program, which this year awarded Richard Petty at the banquet a pretty good chunk of money. Yeah, he about owns that Winston Cup. He's won $51,000 since we've been in it. <laughs> and this year alone. Thank you for coming by. We're showing 88 laps, Bill Hobbs from the, William Hobbs is more properly put, Bill Hobbs on Sundays at a race from the Reynolds Tobacco Company here with us momentarily while we get set for a restart of the Daytona 500 this afternoon. Car number 78, Richard Skillen from Claremont, New Hampshire, who was out momentarily, is back into it still another time. As we go into the 90-lap area, and we're rapidly approaching that. That will mean that we have 225 miles complete and 275 remaining, getting toward the halfway juncture of the automobile race. The big surprise has been car number 63, Terry Biven, Shawnee Mission, Kansas, the Moyer car, which has stayed right up on the board and now again is leading. Of course, it's under caution, but the amazing factor here is that he's been able to run with the leaders all day long. He hasn't been intimidated by the Petties, the Allisons, the A.J. Foyt, the David Pearsons. He's been right in the thick of things, and as we get down to one lap for a restart, it'll be interesting to see if Terry Bivens can sustain that drive up in front. Ken Squire, in noticing that uh, David Pearson slowed down some before the caution flag, I asked Glenn Wood if there were, if there were any problems, and he said no, not, that David had not mentioned anything to him. However, there are some other observations down here that Pearson's car may be a little loose. Back to radio control. Car number 88, Darrell Waltrip, has now gone behind the wall. The Gatorade automobile of Darrell Waltrip having trouble this afternoon. The Gatorade folks had a great day on Thursday when they won one of the twin 125-mile qualifying races, but right now things don't look too good. We'll get a report on the Waltrip car shortly. Meanwhile, number 05, the David Sisko automobile has returned to the race. That was one of the early retirees from the event. He was the third car to fall by the wayside. Number 67, Buddy Arrington's automobile is once again going down pit road, and car number 73, Hobbs, who made a gallant effort to get back in the thick of things, is finding that the day is a little short for him. The car is going by right now headed for the garage area. The next Motor Racing Network broadcast, the Daytona 200 on Sunday, March 7th, 
with the world's finest motorcycle riders here. They expect another gigantic throng to see that 200-mile event in which Agostini of Italy, the 14-time world champion, goes against Alberito Gene Romero, the defending Daytona 200 champion, on this 3.87-mile road course at Daytona. The Pontiac Pace Car is coming in, and as we complete the 89th lap, we're coming down for a start. And as we do, car number 63, Terry Bivens, finds himself in front, but he's immediately shot down one spot, shot down two spots. That's 90 laps on the board. That's the 90th lap complete. They're working lap 91, 225 miles are down. And into the first place goes the Cam 2 First National City Travelers Check Automobile. Allison is in front in the Mercury, the Dodge of Richard Petty, the STP car running second as they come out of turn two. Down the back straightaway, uh, making a move for third position is the Pure Later Mercury of David Pearson. Now Petty darts to the inside, then backs off a little bit. It's Allison into turn three, your leader. Petty in second point is now in third position. Two of the strongest cars throughout the race leading the way. And now A.J. Foyt, who started so far back in this field, is right up there to make it a three-car draft with Allison, Petty, and Foyt. David Pearson closing in fourth place. As they come back to the line, Richard Petty squeezes to the inside. Allison goes high, and the STP Dodge will take command. STP Dodge in first. There goes the Gilmore car, the Chevrolet, all the way to the bottom of the speedway. It's a Chevrolet going for first at turn one. Foyt using up a lot of racetrack, trying to get up alongside of Richard Petty. He can't do it. Foyt drops in behind, picks up the draft right on the bumper of Petty. It is Allison back in third spot. Pearson is fourth. Tight four-car draft as they move up the back shooting for turn three. It's belly down, and on the trail of the leader, Richard Petty in front, and look at how tight they are. They're less than a car length. A.J. Foyt running in second, and Bobby Allison shows his nose to the inside in third. Quadraphonic sound echoing back off that banking and across this vast speed plant as these four cars thunder around the 31-degree banking with Richard Petty leading the way up high against the wall. Richard Petty going for win number 178, an unprecedented sixth victory in the Daytona 500. His challenge, the Chevrolet of A.J. Foyt goes back to the inside of the trioval, and Foyt takes the lead from Richard Petty as the two six-time champions of American motorsport are side-by-side side in turn one. It's really hard to tell who has the strongest car in that front car pack of those four because any one of those four can take the lead almost any time they want to. It is now Foyt, Petty, Allison, and Pearson. They're tied in a knot as they come down the backstretch, 3,400 feet at over 200 miles per hour. Richard Petty in the STP Dodge stays glued to the other king of stock car racing, and that would be A.J. Foyt in front. They run single file this time as they come through the banks, glancing into the mirrors and getting familiar with the faces back there. They've seen them all there so many times before. Lenny Pond is running very, very close to the rear end of that lead draft in fifth place. First through fourth, seven-tenths of a second this time as they come by, and first through fifth is one and seven-tenths seconds. Back to the Pepsi-Cola car of Lenny Pond, number 54. It's seven-tenths of a second, and it's less than that now. It's from the inside. David Pearson makes his move on the bottom of the eastern banking. Pearson squeezes up into third position. Back now is Allison in fourth spot, and again, that four-car draft just inches apart, worked their way out of the number two corner and up the back stretch. Richard Petty backs off a little bit. Point still out front as they go for turn three. Lenny Pond, who's been very steady now in the Pepsi-Cola machine, is about four, five, maybe 12 car lengths back of Bobby Allison, who runs in fourth, and he's trying to chase down that lead draft. It's still Super Tex up front. Richard Petty in second spot. David Pearson, the Silver Fox, rides third. And the new Mercury car of Bobby Allison is in fourth position. 
as they come back to the line. Number 28, A.J. Foyt is in front. Here's Richard Petty right on the rear bumper. Car number 21, David Pearson in third as they go back to the tri-oval. That number 28 car feels the hot breath of the STP. Dodge lingering in turn number one, just letting the rear ends out. Beautiful race driving as they move into turn two. Back in the number two corner, Foyt still showing the way as Petty just lets him know he's there. Just inches away. Pearson still in third spot. Allison rides fourth, and for the moment, they seem content just to ride that way. Petty plays tricks on the mind of A.J. Foyt. Back down the back stretch, he just sticks the nose out, then ducks it back in, and he's still in that rearview mirror of the Gilmore Chevrolet with the red and blue of STP number 43. As they move up into the top racing lane, it's pretty much a bumper tag game at this point. They're running single file, nobody carrying to go after the lead, which is being held firmly by A.J. Foyt, and Benny Parsons is around Lenny Pond and into fifth place. That number 28, Foyt in front, Richard Petty second, David Pearson third, and there's Pearson to the inside. He goes underneath Richard Petty. He goes for A.J. Foyt. What a struggle we have among this quartet at the first turn. Pearson moves his way into second. He was back in fifth spot a moment ago, is now riding in second and has his sights set on A.J. Foyt. The Red Rooster from Spartanburg, South Carolina. That's his handle on the CB, and he's about to take the front door as they go down the back stretch. Well, right now, he's still in the rocking chair, Barney, but he's closing fast on A.J. Foyt. Foyt still in front, but now it's less than a car length. Pearson, whose car appeared to slow just before the previous yellow, is showing no signs of problems now. He's definitely got A.J. in his sights. Two car lengths back, and then two more behind him comes Richard Petty with Bobby Allison tacked on his trunk. Lead automobile, car number two at 90 laps was Allison, then Petty, then came Terry Bivens, then A.J. Foyt, followed in fifth position by Pearson, in sixth by Cuckoo Marlin, and seventh was Benny Parsons. A lap down in eighth was Lenny Pond, in ninth position was Cecil Gordon, and in tenth was car number 81, and the automobile of Terry Ryan remained in tenth position. Eleventh was Ramo Stott, twelfth was car number 70, the driver, J.D. McDuffie, showing up in 12th. 13th was Frank Warren. And here goes Pearson down in the corner. He may get the lead. Pearson is side-by-side -side with A.J. Foyt into turn number three. He's got it for the lead. The yeah. pure leader Mercury. What a roar goes up from the crowd in the infield. It turns three and four. They like the Silver Fox from Spartanburg, and he's number one in everybody's book right now as he comes off the turn four banking ahead of A.J. Foyt. Speed back up to 141.707 miles per hour at 90 laps, 225 miles. And Pearson, looking for his first victory in the Daytona 500, goes down into turn number one. He has had victory on 87 previous occasions in his grand national career. He's trying to hold on for a victory here. He's never won the Daytona 500. Richard Petty has won it five times, and that wrinkles him just a little. He'd sure like to have it come together today. Here in this, the greatest stock car race of them all. We're showing 98 laps complete. 98 laps are now down, and this is the 18th running of the Daytona 500. Ken Squire and the Motor Racing Network bringing you the action from the birthplace of speed, Daytona Beach, Florida, where March the 7th continues with a great Daytona 200 American Motorcycle Association championship event with 245 miles complete, 255 to go. A.J. Foyt just barely leading. He's pushed his car back in front. Number 21, Pearson fighting along with him in the second spot with the Mercury Automobile. That lead fluctuating back and forth all around the speedway as a quartet. The highest marquee value drivers there are continue their personal battle up in front. The front four remain. Foyt, Pearson, Petty, Bobby Allison. On the back stretch, that begins to take a different complexion as Bobby Allison pushes the Mercury beneath the STP Dodge of Richard Petty. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. 
halfway in the race, halfway down at car number 28. A.J. Foyt is pulling to a six-car length advantage over the second-place automobile. Second, third, and fourth have been going side-by-side side and losing a little time. And 28 has been able to squirt away from the field. That press for the second position has had them running in a manner that has slowed them a mile or two an hour and given A.J. Foyt a chance to run away with the biggest advantage he's done head but the three cars are now running single file and that draft could easily overhaul him unless A.J. Boyd has a lot more engine than anyone had anticipated for today's race. Ken we haven't been talking too much about Betty Parsons but Parsons is almost about to catch the three front runners all by himself he's had nobody to draft on and he's picked up almost a quarter of a straightaway on them as they move out of turn four. A.J. Boyd who started 31st in this race now is leading he laps Frank Warren he also laps Dick Skillen of Claremont New Hampshire as he flies out of the trioval area to complete the 102nd lap, 255 miles complete. Into the east end of the speedway, Foyt with the lead. Those three cars behind him now are back by about half a second as they whip off the 31 degree banking and into the backstretch. They lay down off that west end of the speedway, and once again, it's single file. The reason A.J. Foyt is in front is last time around, Foyt just threaded the needle through traffic. It was like high-speed chicken. Everybody else backed off a little bit. And now they're closing in that three-car draft, second, third, and fourth. They come hammering up on the tail end of A.J. Foyt. The separation now about 25 yards. Benny Parsons tied up in a bit of traffic, goes high on the racetrack as he tries to single-handedly reel in that lead draft. Field moving out of turn number four, and Foyt's lead is diminished. It's beginning to rapidly look like a four-car battle again, and once before they mentioned Benny Parsons, indeed, now that four-car draft is drawing away from Parsons, they have about two seconds on him, but he's really in the thick of it. And remember last year, he started way back, same starting position, and he was running in just about the same position at this juncture of the race, halfway, and then went on to win it. The backstretches where Foyt is in front, David Pearson is in second, Richard Petty is in third, Bobby Allison maintains that fourth spot. First challenges for the lead, Ken Squire, into turn number three. The Purolator Mercury gets by the Gilmore Chevrolet. David Pearson in front. Brilliant. Burgundy and white colors of Purolator back up front as we've seen them on Super Speedway so many times before. And it is David Pearson, number 21, leading A.J. Foyt off the turn. As they come down by, those front four cars are all gathered up. Pearson is once again taking the lead, overwhelming A.J. Foyt in the last four or five laps. The story may be, however, in car number 72, Benny Parsons, who's running three seconds behind those leaders. If they get into a trouble and start scattering machinery, Parsons could be on his way to an unbelievable and astonishing second Daytona 500 victory. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. The 105th lap, and here comes the Camp 2 automobile diving to the bottom of the racetrack, up into the second, third position. Bobby Allison driving this track like a half mile at Nashville, Tennessee. Here he is working his way up onto the tail end of A.J. Foyt. They overlap Buddy Arrington. Foyt makes a move on car number 21 as they come off the 17-degree banking of the trioval where the start-finish line is located here in Daytona. And down into turn number one, the leader remains number 21. Pearson stays there. Foyt stays in second. Allison has to settle for third. And now, dropping back about seven car lengths in fourth, is Richard Petty. Well, there you have it. It's hard to find a more talented field. They're buttoning up again for an assault on the leader. Here comes A.J. Foyt to the inside of David Pearson in the backstretch. David Pearson loses 
that first position to A.J. Boyd. Bobby Allison could not get by Pearson. He runs in third. Boyd just hammered around Pearson on the inside, opened up two or three car length separation as if to say to David, I can do that anytime I want to. They head for the start-finish line, and now it's Boyd up in front. As they come back by Marty Robbins, it's hard to think of a time when you see a stronger marquee, a more exciting quartet of race drivers all linked together in a war. Isn't this something? This this has to be the world. They're, they're the world's greatest, and I, I, it'd be hard to say which one is the greatest at this point. Well, you've been out there and run against them. It must be quite a thrill to simply be in the same racetrack with a guy like Richard Petty or David Pearson or Bobby Allison or Foyt. I, I feel that it is a thrill to be uh, in the race with any of the drivers out there because they're all professionals, they're all great drivers, and anybody out there is capable of winning with the right combination. It's going for them, you know. It takes a lot of time and a lot of experience. Did you ever wish you'd stuck to racing instead of coming out of Arizona years ago to be a country singer and be as famous as you are? Well, no, I, I, I love racing, you know, but I, I also understand that I can't make any money doing it. To me, it's a great sport, and I love to be connected with it in some way. But uh, I have to uh, sell records in order to race. Do you have any idea when your next race is going to be? Well, no, uh, possibly we might get to go to Rockingham two weeks now. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I like that track. 109 laps this time will be completed, and the leader continues to be number 28, A.J. Foyt in front. First four cars, nine tenths of a second. We are 108 laps deep into the Daytona 500. A distance of 270 miles has been completed, and the front four cars are still running nose to tail in this astonishing automobile race. The 100-lap rundown, and we'll give you the halfway rundown now for 100 laps, 250 miles. Foyt was then in front, Pearson in second, Richard Petty in third, Allison in fourth. 72 was running in fifth, Benny Parsons. In sixth was Cuckoo Marlin, and seventh was the big surprise of the race, Terry Bivens from Kansas. Going eighth, the lap back, Lenny Pond. In ninth is Ryan. In tenth is Cecil Gordon. In eleventh, two laps back, is car number 83, which is the Ramos Stott automobile. In twelfth is the Neil Bonnet car. Thirteenth is J.D. McDuffie. He's three laps down. And fourteenth is Frank Warren. Four laps down in 15th position is car number 10, Johnny Ray. 16th is car number 95, Jim Herdebees. Then in 17th spot is Richard Childress. 18th on the field is Buddy Arrington. The 19th position is Roy Smith. The 20th spot is car number 40, D.K. Ulrich. The 21st position is car number 4, Salt Walther. Running in 22nd is car number 61, Joe Mahalik. 23rd is car number 18, and that's Joe Frisson. 24th is number 78, Richard Skillen, the New Hampshire driver. And 25th is car number 60, Wilmington, North Carolina's Jackie Rogers. The average speed, 144.764 miles per hour. 25 lead changes in the first half of the race. 25 lead changes in the first half of this great epic. Let's pause now for station identification. In 1974, they established a record for lead changes of 60 in this race. And they've had 25 in the first one half of the competition today. We've just completed the 110th lap, which brings us to 275 miles complete. Back in 1964, this was the lap on which Johnny Rutherford, now of Indianapolis fame, and Ned Jarrett tangled coming off the west turn. And Rutherford went upside down for 1,000 feet. That was back in 64 as we reached the 111th lap. Ken Squire, this is Joe Alloy in the garage. You just mentioned car number 61. That's Joe Mahalik in the Chevrolet. He has retired the car to the garage. We'll have a report in just a minute. 
Now back to radio control. Car number 75, Dick Skillen, Claremont, New Hampshire, is back on pit road. And number 63 is also pulled in, one of the leaders, number 63. This is the young rookie who wants to follow in the footsteps of the driver who won last year from Topeka, Kansas. When uh, number, 50, number uh, 54 came out here a year ago. He did such an amazing job. He's uh, created a lot of interest in the Midwest. He's going for the national title. And this kid at number 63, Terry Bivens, has been running right with the leaders all day. He's just refired the car and he's back underway. Let's see what's going on on pit road right now with a late pit report. Let's go to Ken Campbell or to Bob Byers. Uh, this is Ken Campbell in the pits. We've just been down and talked with the Petty crew, and they will be in in three laps, and they're planning to bring the number 28 Foyt car in on lap 122, and here Bob Myers has a report. Just to comment on the extent of Richard Petty's uh, preparations again at this point, they changed, uh, nine, changed three engines nine different times this week and worked on the engine that is now in his car replacing the pistons, the valves, I'm sorry, last night until 8 p.m. Back to the tower. The Daytona 500, and here comes Richard Petty on pit road. A lap early. Petty is coming in. Richard Petty ready to bring his car number 43, the STP Dodge down. It's going to take on right side tires and fuel. This is a first pit stop for Petty, or second pit stop under green in the race. A key pit stop right here. Petty Crew has already got the tires off on the right-hand side. And it looks like they're going all the way around. It is a four-tire stop. They're going all the way around on rubber. The Richard Petty Crew, the STP Dodge, is now changing four tires. The A.J. Foyt automobile is staying out in front. And here's Petty away. And here comes the time, ladies and gentlemen. 28 seconds for four tires and gasoline. 28 seconds for Petty, and he is back. He's rolling down the track. Here's A.J. Foyt trying to put a lap on him. A.J. comes into some lap traffic, which is going to slow him down as he moves into the first turn area. Richard Petty is coming up to speed on the bottom of the track. A.J. Foyt moves around him, and Foyt has put a lap on Richard Petty, but the story here is Petty has taken on fresh rubber, four tires in 28 seconds, and shortly A.J. Foyt will have to pit. The track is under caution, fifth time in the Daytona 500. The story is in the eastern banking of the speedway, or the western banking of the speedway. Let's get the story from down in turns one and two. Barney Hall. Going into the corner, Ramos Stott started, triggered the accident. Ken, he lost an engine apparently, went up into the wall, smacked it, came down across traffic. And as he did so, two other cars locked up on the binders trying to avoid him. They are car number 82, Skip Manning. He also has crashed into the wall. And it looks like car number 10, Johnny Ray's car. He banged the concrete and also may have made contact with car number 83. There are three cars now resting on the apron in the grass as the safety crews are rushing out to aid all three drivers. The drivers again are Ramos Stott, car number 82, Skip Manning, and car number 10, Johnny Ray. Let's go back to the tower. Well, it's a break for A.J. Foyt and for David Pearson at 28 second pit stop. We'll just have to see how it works out for Richard Petty after that astonishing stop for four tires and Petty is immediately pitting once again. A three-car wreck and that is the sixth caution of the day. 
Here is Foyt, the Gilmore Broadcasting Car on Pit Road. Here's Terry Ryan's number 81, the Purolator car number 81, a 21, and car number 72, the Kings Row Fireplace car, begins to really make an impression out here. Benny Parsons has pulled himself up to third position now as he keeps continues to work his way through from the 31st starting position. We are under caution six time today. Bill McConner is here, the president of the Union Oil Company, as part of this throng of 130,000 plus people. Marvelous day to see an auto race. Perfect Florida weather. Certainly is. It couldn't be more of a thrill. Perfect day, a huge crowd, and some fine racing. And Union Oil, of course, over the years has helped so much uh, with Winston Cup Grand National Racing as the fuel that is used here at Daytona and the other tracks throughout the entire southeastern United States are serviced by Union Oil. And, and these drivers are certainly appreciative of all that you've done for them in the many years you've been involved. We're proud to be a part of this fine sport. 130,000 people here today to see this race. They all have their favorites. Do you have one? No, no, I like them all. Okay. <laughs> Bill McConnell, the president of Union Oil. Bye for just a moment as we are under caution from a three-car crash in the first turn. Ken Squire, this is Barney Hall back in turn number one and two. Johnny Ray is trapped in his car. They're having to climb inside the car to extricate him from the machine. Apparently, he is pinned in, but the safety crews are trying to remove the windshield. Two of the personnel have already climbed inside the car. His was a pretty hard crash. He tagged into car number 82 and also banged the wall real hard. But they are having to get him out of the car. Back to the tower. That's the Skip Manning car from Bogalusa, Louisiana, that he tagged. The number 82, which had started in the 30th position. Allison's number two continues to play a very important role in this race now as we reach up toward 120 laps and all the leaders are taking this opportunity to come in on pit road and they get a little bit of a break. This is the only break in the motorsports world that you get is when you come on pit road and under caution, instead of taking uh, maybe 18 seconds, maybe you can take 23, but there's no half time to go back and talk with the coach. We are on stage for 500 miles and you get out here and run in Winston Cup Grand National Racing. Ken Squire, this is Joe Alloway in the garage. There's quite a beehive of activity here in the garage area. Richard Skillen brought his car just to the edge of the garage fence. He found out he had an ignition problem. They worked on the car, were not able to get it started. He now has brought that Chevrolet into the garage area. Joe Mahalik tells us he has a broken oil line. David Hobbs said that the wreck down in turn two was just too much sheet metal damage. It did some internal damage to the car. They had to retire that car, and Darrell Waltrips appears to be a valve. So 13 cars are here, and I believe in the background we hear car number 71. That's Dave Marcus's Dodge firing, and there's a possibility that car will be back out on the track very shortly. Again, we'll turn it back to you. The car number 60, Jackie Rogers from Wilmington, North Carolina. His car is down on pit road, hobbled a bit, and now the crew is trying to push it for a start. He's been venturing up toward the top 10 throughout the afternoon, unlimbering some fantastically good laps. This is a driver who uh, has come off the short tracks of North Carolina and people like Haas Ellington that prepare the A.J. Foyt car think this is one of the great superstars of tomorrow. Meanwhile, a covey of automobiles are on the backstretch getting set to go with Richard Petty one lap down. He made the right move, but it was at the wrong time. And as it, things now stand, he has lost a lap. He's certainly trying to get it back, but that's a hard road to hoe. A perfect pit stop, 28 seconds. Yesterday, you talk about pit stops, Marty Robbins, at the end of the Permatex 300, which was won by Joe Milligan, a young, dri young driver who was a mechanic for Petty, works in the engine room up there in Level Cross. 
The Dale Inman crew entirely faked out the other runners. They faked out the Dick Armstrong crew from up in Massachusetts, from Bellingham. They had Norris Industries pitting for them, and two other cars, and the way they did it, they put their tires up on pit road as if they were going for a pit stop and changing right side rubber with 15 laps to go in the race. The others brought their cars in. They changed right side rubber to make sure they had a good bite, good side bite on those tires to finish the race. Then, after taking from uh, Darrell Waltrip's car and the uh, car, that, the old one that Ray Hendricks was driving, taking 22 seconds, 18 seconds for their pit stops, Dale Inman, when the car came in through the tires behind the wall, put in about 10 gallons of gasoline, put the car back on the track in 8 seconds, and they won the race by 10 seconds. Typical faking the other guy out, and that's part of the teamwork that goes down on pit road all the time. All right. Ken Squire, this is Barney Hall back in turn two. A late report on that accident. They have now pulled John Ray's car very close to my broadcast tower. He was center punched right in the door by car number 82. The car is totally demolished. It is almost perhaps sheared almost in half right in the driver's side. They have him out of the car, they have put him in the ambulance and are now taking him to the field hospital. The other driver in car number 82, Skip Manning, was conscious when he climbed out of the car. They also have taken him to the hospital. Ramo just had some pretty bad sheet metal damage on his car where he tagged the wall. But Johnny Ray really took a blow in that car number 10. Let's go back to the tower. Meanwhile, car number two, Allison, is in trouble. He's been on pit road. The hood has been up, and now it's down once again. He was held in the pits. Car number two, last lap, ran over his air hose. That's what happened. He's being penalized. That's a no-no. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Story is a penalty on car number two, Allison. Let's get the story from the garage area. Let's go down there now to Ken Campbell. Uh, we've just talked to one of the NASCAR officials, and for running over the air hose, uh, Bobby Allison has been held until the pace car passed him, which means that he will be a lap down. They had added oil to the automobile, uh, which was unrelated to the penalty. They also added oil to the Foyt car when it was in. Back to the tower. Pace car is coming by pace car coming by and they're telling the machines to ease up a bit 122 laps are complete number 22 21 automobile runs in front car number 21 is the lead automobile David Pearson has the advantage Richard Petty is running a lap down but he's right in front of the field and so he has an opportunity if another caution flag comes out to get back in that lead lap after that tremendous 28 second stop for four tires Here's number 67, Arrington, back on pit road once again. David Pearson, who has never won this race, continues to forge through traffic and hold on along with the car number 28, the automobile of A.J. Foyt. That's been the major story of the race. Now Allison is back a lap, and of course, Benny Parsons, number 72, looks stronger and stronger as it did one year ago for the Kings Row Fireplace people here in the Daytona 500. This is Ken Squire, and I want to tell you about a place where your whole family can enjoy a day of adventure they won't forget. Bush Gardens, Tampa. It's called the Dark Continent, and when you go there, you discover Africa. Snake charmers in Morocco, herds of wild animals on the Serengeti Plain, spine-chilling rides in Stanleyville, gourmet dining, that famous Anheuser-Busch hospitality, and much more. One low admission price covers all rides and attractions. So plan a trip to Bush Gardens, Tampa. A great value, a great day. Champion spark plugs okay. power more winning races than all the other plug brands combined. Nicky Lauda in the World Driving Championship, A.J. Foyt in the Championship Trail, Brian Redmond's Formula 5000 Championship. They're just a few. 
of the hundreds of winners sparked to victory by champion plugs in 1975 alone. So when you need spark plugs for your car or any engine, why not do what the racing champions do? Fill her up with champion. The race is back underway under Green and Bobby Allison started into the pits and now comes back on the speedway. And something apparently has gone awry with that automobile number two, the Cam 2 car, is now running very slowly in the bottom of the track. Let's get a report down in turn one. Allison is way off the pace, Ken, and there's a little smoke coming from underneath the car. He is still up in the groove, but running very, very slowly. He's trying to make it back to the pits, and there is some smoke coming out of the headers on that machine. Back to the tower, he may be losing an engine. Car number 21, David Pearson in command, now loses the lead to A.J. Foyt as they continue to seesaw back and forth for the lead. Richard Petty, nearly a lap down, is running right in front of the leaders, hoping for a caution flag and a chance to break away. A.J. Foyt has won this 500 once before, and there goes 21 Pearson, surging to the bottom of the speedway, trying to move underneath Foyt, who will have none of them. So now it's a Chevrolet in first, a Mercury runs in second position, and then Benny Parsons runs in third as they go down the backstretch. We talk about Benny Parsons being steady, your fifth place man right now. Fourth place would be car number 14, Cuckoo Marlin. Marlin, never in the lead draft, continues to run in the top five. Meanwhile, A.J. Foyt into the high banking here is your leader. Parsons is running in third, Pearson in second. A.J. Foyt takes it up into the third racing lane as he moves around Richard Petty and puts Petty back a full lap behind. A.J. Foyt is your leader. Running second is David Pearson, and Benny Parsons is right there with them. Coming back to complete, lap 125. Foyt's in front, and he's in front of Petty, putting him a lap down once again momentarily as they squeeze into the first turn at 180 miles an hour, inches apart. Barney Hall. Petty locks on the draft. He'd like to get back around this time, but Foyt will have none of that as they go off the number two corner down the back. Shoot Petty squeezes right up on his bumper. Let's see if he tries to go back in front as they hit turn three. Richard Petty thinks better of it and stays glued to the rear bumper of A.J. Foyt as they hit turn three. Pearson very content in second position. Now Parsons has third. Parsons comes to the inside and puts a feint on David Pearson. He may be going after second spot, but now he thinks better of it as well. And Benny Parsons tucks himself right back under David Pearson, settling for third position. Moving down into the trial area with 185 miles to go. A.J. Foyt is in front, going for his second Daytona 500 victory. David Pearson searching for his first victory in this great classic. Richard Petty going for win number six. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. With 127 laps complete, A.J. Foyt has the Gilmore red and white numeral Chevrolet out in front, and he's in a draft with Richard Petty, and they are breaking away from what is now the second-place automobile, number 21, David Pearson, and in third is Benny Parsons, number 72. Remember now, Foyt in car, number 28, started this race in the 31st position, and starting right back there with him was car number 72, Benny Parsons, in 32nd position. They locked up in a draft, came through to the front of the field in some of the most dramatic racing this 500-mile race has ever seen. The 31st and 32nd position cars just overhauling in those first 20 laps everybody. And now they are running first and second. Car number 72. Benny Parsons has just maneuvered around to take the second position. Meanwhile, 71, Dave Marcus has come back on the track. What a gallant try this Wasso, Wisconsin driver is making for the Harry Hyde K&K &K car. Ken, 
David Pearson is way off the pace as they came out of turn two and down the backstretch. You might pick him up at the trial and see if he's continuing to fall back. In he turn four, he's headed for the pit area. It appears Ken Squire as the 21 pure later Mercury is down on the apron. This is unbelievable. Here's Pearson and number 21 on pit road. Number 21, Pearson, comes on to pit road. Paul Cameron's Pirulator Mercury comes to a halt. They're going to take on right side tires at this juncture in the race. Apparently, they just weren't getting the bite they wanted. Right side tires, fuel on car number 21. Meanwhile, in the backstretch, number 28, A.J. Foyt continues to pull away. But Benny Parsons, last year's winner, is out there. An amazing pit stop, two tires and fuel in 13 and a half seconds the wood brothers putting the a the david pearson car back on the track in 13 and one half seconds here come the leaders into the trioval as pearson is down in turn number one car number 28 a three-car draft has aj foyt leading in that chevrolet automobile benny parsons in his king's row car runs in the second position Jim Squire, yes. it was at first thought that Bobby Allison's Mercury had dropped the valve, but now they have moved the car behind the pit and are working on it, and it appears that they may be trying to get it back into the race, back to radio control. Unfortunate for Hueytown, Alabama's Bobby Allison, who was making a magnificent run here in this competition. But it's all come short at about lap 125, and the hood is up, and he's directly behind the Cam 2 pits working on the automobile at this time. The leaders coming down out of turn number four, and with about a 10-second advantage over them, but he's running, remember now, out in third spot is David Pearson. Here is Richard Petty trying to unlap himself from the A.J. Foyt machine as they go down into turn four. Well, Benny Parsons, after winning this race last year, had just a miserable season. Nothing seemed to work right. The same thing happened all this week as it did a year ago. He had trouble in qualifying. He had troubles in the 125-mile qualifiers. But on race afternoon, the biggest race there is, it ran just perfectly. And that's what it's beginning to develop once again for him. There are 131 laps now complete, only 69 to go. And Supertech's A.J. Foyt and Benny Parsons are running nose to tail, first and second around the speedway. As they hit turn four, Richard Petty has unlapped himself. And right there behind A.J. Foyt, just a car length between them is Benny Parsons challenging for the lead. A caution flag now would give Richard Petty the opportunity to move all the way around the speedway and overhaul the leaders and be right with them once again. It would also move David Pearson back up. We had a bad three-car crash at turn number one, and again, as to exactly what happened there, here's the report from Barney Hall. Ken, it all started when Ramos Stock apparently seized an engine up, spun up in the groove. The other two cars trying to take evasive action got together, and car number 82, Skip Manning, really center punch John Ray's car, and John has been taken to the hospital. His was the most serious of the injured cars. They really T-boned him right in the door. We should have a report from the hospital on the condition of those drivers very shortly. Let's go back to the tower. Backstretch is where the action is, and car number 28 and 72 continue to draw away all on their own. 28 and 72 roaring around the speedway, making their own way as they go into turn four. It is the leaders working the 31-degree banking and content to run nose to tail. Benny Parsons is driving a magnificent race, Kent Squire. Strategy getting up through the field, following A.J. Boyd, as you mentioned, and now they've taken that draft all the way to the lead. 
Down those leaders go into that first and second turn area. Petty running high and still staying up in there. David Pearson is now 38 seconds behind the first two automobiles, and there is no interval between those. Remember that these two cars running nose to tail right now in the International Race of Champions the other day on Friday. A.J. Foyt won the International Race of Champions. The fourth segment gave him enough points for the entire overall prize, but the fourth segment itself was won by Benny Parsons. They run four races, one in Michigan, two in Riverside, California, and the finals here in Daytona. And A.J. was overall winner in that series. And in the actual race itself, when they flashed across the line, Parsons was victorious in that segment of competition. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Richard Petty is beginning to draw away from the other two automobiles. Remember, he has four fresh tires. He's getting just a little better bite as they go down the backstretch, and he's hauling away from a two-car draft. Now Foyt and Parsons and those Chevrolets are trying to come back up on him in turn three and four. They've linked up again, Ken Squire, and are trying to run Richard Petty back down. The interval from first to third can only be a matter of a fraction of a second. Let's give Cuckoo Marlin another call. He's only a quarter of a lap down, and he's in third place now. Cuckoo Marlin, whose best finish was in 1974 when he took fourth place in this event, is doing very, very well. You know, he's a highly underrated driver. Ken Squire have Roger Penske, Bobby Allison's crew chief. Roger, is there any chance of getting the car back into the race? You were working with it there. Well, Bob, we are not sure right now. We're going back in the garage where we got a little more room to take a look at it, but it looks... Uh, as if we got uh, broke a valve and uh, was stuck it in the side of a cylinder. I'm not sure. We had a little water in the oil, so it's hard to say exactly what it is. It doesn't look good. For the first time in competition for the Mercury, how do you analyze your performance? Well, uh, you know, we were running fine. Uh, the only problem is you got to run all day fine. And uh, uh, Bobby was running the kind of race we figured we'd run, try to stay up with the leaders and run carefully. We're trying to get some time on the car. and understand what's happening but uh, we looked uh, real well there for a while but unfortunately uh, when the engine stops the car stops roger i know you want to get back to your car back to ken squire in the tower the leaders coming by still another time that's aj foyd at number 28 and benny parsons in the number 72 i asked benny this morning if from the same starting spot as a year ago did he feel he could end up in the same finishing position number one in the greatest stock car race of them all i don't know ken it it has the possibilities. The car is running, I think, exceptionally well. We have had uh, a numerous amount of problems. Now, whether or not we've got them all ironed out yet or not is yet to be seen. You know, we're just going to have to get in the race and see. Well, right now, they look like they've got those problems ironed out, Marty Robbins. There he is, right behind A.J. Foyt. Another time as they combine to complete 138 laps, only 62 laps to go, and it's nose to tail between Benny Parsons and A.J. Foyt. If Petty could just possibly get a yellow, now he'd be in good shape. But I think a while ago, of course, it's like quarterback in a game, you know. Uh, if he had only taken, say, only two tires, he he could have beat Ford out, and he, I think he'd have been, you know, uh, still in the draft. But right now, like, he's up front, but still he's a lap down. He really needs a yellow right now. He had a caution flag. He'd be in great shape, but without it, it's just an also-ran story for Richard Petty this afternoon after his 178th victory. Those three cars, when he knows to tail, the Dodge of Petty nearly a lap down, just in front of the leaders, car number 28, 
A.J. Foyt, and car number 72, Benny Parsons. And back on pit road comes number 71, Marcus. What a game try Harry Hyde has put out today. They went back to the garage area for an hour, and they weren't going to cheat this crowd. They brought the machine right back out here and put Marcus to work after a lengthy stay on pit road. Benny Parsons and car number 72, of all the years he ran until last year, his best was a fourth-place finish back in 1972, and then last year it all came home. Can he do it again? Well, that's the question right now. He only led four laps last year, but they were the ones that counted after that performance of the backstretch with Kaylee Arborough, David Pearson spinning out, and all that took place. Well, let's see what's going to happen today. It could be just as exciting and just as dramatic as one year back. It's certainly building in that direction right now. They're lapping Cecil Gordon as they move through turns three and four. Richard Petty has moved up all the way to the outside of this racetrack as we've seen Richard and only Richard run so well here at Daytona. He's opened up a little more separation, Ken, but he simply does not have the steam to get away from that point and Parsons draft. Well, what's happening here? Petty pulls away in the first and second turn, but in turns three and four, something about going down that backstretch, when he leans into turn three, Foyt and Parsons are right back up on his rear bumper once again, and now see him in turn two. He has like a 20-car length advantage, and by the time that that car hits the end of that 3,000-foot backstretch at about 200 miles per hour, it will be eroded. Here comes Parsons, number 72, down the inside. Benny Parsons puts King's Row Fireplace Chevrolet in front. Benny Parsons is taking the front position. I believe that's the first time this afternoon that the former Detroit taxi cab driver has led this event. Here's Parsons out of turn number four. He has led it earlier on a previous occasion this afternoon. Now he's once again commanding the Daytona 500. Ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Foyt's number 28 is slowing down. Foyt in number 28 going into turn number one. The power is off on the automobile. The Haas Ellington car is slowing in the first and second turn area. It's into the bottom of the racetrack. And now out in front by himself in this astonishing automobile race is Benny Parsons going for his second straight Daytona 500 victory. The odds, they must have been 1,000 to 1, but now Parsons with only... 58 laps remaining is common during the Daytona 500. On pit road, one of our pit reporters has Bobby Allison. Yes, Bobby Allison has gotten out of his Cam 2 Mercury, which is still being worked on, to talk with us. Uh, Bobby, how would you diagnose the trouble from the driver's standpoint? Well, uh, the engine went sour. We've been missing all day, and, uh, you know, we had trouble burning up spark plugs. Uh, you know, we just uh, don't know exactly what did happen. So uh, when it went sour, uh, they went ahead and uh, took it where they could take a look at it and uh, see if they can fix it. Is there a chance that they can? Well, we're not sure, but they're trying. A.J. Foyt is on pit road. Number 28, Bobby Allison, the Cam 2. First National City Traveler's Check Automobile is now back in the garage area, and A.J. Foyt's 28 is in. The hood is coming up on the automobile. Bad luck has followed them like a shadow throughout the entire week. They're looking beneath the hood. They're still refueling the automobile, trying to handle it as much like a regular stop as they can, but now it looks bad. There's a conference going on on A.J. Foyt's car. Meanwhile, the number 72 automobile, King's Row Fireplace, Chevrolet, Benny Parsons is out in front. 
running a remarkable first position. He fought his way from way back in the 15th, 16th row. 15th row, outside of that 15th row, to where he is now, and here he comes into the main straightaway, still knocking off some left automobiles. Parsons, who's been here since 1969, and last year finally won the thing, has himself first place, and he's out there pretty much by himself. Cuckoo Marlin could come after him, however. We're watching the leaders come around some lapped automobiles. Here's fire in turn four. We note that Richard Petty is rapidly hauling in David Pearson. The possibility of those two strong cars linking up in a draft with the remaining laps still to be run could very well be a factor in this event. Well, there's 145 laps now complete, 55 to go. With a caution flag, Cuckoo Marlin could also be in it, and Foyt goes behind the wall. A.J. Foyt's effort to become the second man in history to win the Daytona 500 more than once is eradicated in the 143rd lap as something went amiss in the automobile. Ken Squire? Yes. I just talked with A.J. Foyt as he rolled his car behind the wall here. There are broken valve springs in the engine. Back to the tower. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Four and a half seconds, now the interval, as Richard Petty continues to draw away. Five seconds now, Petty continuing to pull away as he tries to get back up here and contend for the lead. As matters stand, we have four cars running in the lead lap. They are number 72, Benny Parsons first. Going second is car number 14, Cuckoo Marlin. And let's get the interval back to Cuckoo Marlin's automobile in second place. Then in the third position is car number 21, David Pearson. And running in the fourth position is Richard Petty. They're all in the lead lap. Running fifth is car number 54, Lenny Pond of the Pepsi-Cola automobile. Going in the sixth spot is car number 81, Terry Ryan. In the seventh spot is car number 12, Neil Bonnet. In the eighth position is car number 63, which is the Terry Bivens car. In the ninth position is Cecil Gordon. And running 10th is J.D. McDuffie in car number 70. They're averaging 147.644 miles per hour at 140 laps, 350 miles. We're now showing 148 laps complete in the board, meaning there are just 52 laps to go. Ken Squire, this is Dave Despain at turn four, where Cuckoo Marlin just about lost his race car as he headed for pit road. He, he has spun out. Field. He has spun out on pit road. The car came in, the front end locked up, and he has spun the automobile around. So Marlin is in trouble, the second-place competitor. As he came in on pit road, they looked like the brakes locked up, Marty Robbins, something like that. I don't know if the brakes, I think he might have locked them up and they got in the grease and were sliding. Ken, the problem started for him on the straightaway before he hit pit road. He may have just come in too hot, but he definitely climbed on the binders or something. The car began fishtailing badly before he got to the pit road turn-in, and then the problem started after he hooked around the Union 76 ball. Now here's the report from the hospital on that three-car crash. We now have 72, as you know, Parsons leading, 21. Pearson to second, Richard Petty to third. Ramos Stott has been released from the field hospital here at the... Daytona International Speedway after that three-car crash. Skip Manning, the Louisiana driver, is suffering from contusions and a laceration of the chin, and he is still in the infield hospital. Johnny Ray, the, the fellow who was really victimized by the crash, his car nearly turned in two, has been taken from this hospital in the infield of the Daytona Speedway to the Halifax 
intensive unit here in Daytona Beach. Johnny Ray, the victim, the most serious victim of that crash, the Alabama driver. Number 71, Marcus, is again on pit road, as is David Sisko. Cuckoo Marlin's car is facing backwards on pit road. They'll have to turn it around, and I think, and it may be that that's all for Marlin's car. Something's wrong with it, and Cuckoo is extricating himself from the automobile. Ken Squire, this is Ken Campbell in the pits. We have Horse Ellington here with us. Was there any indication of what was coming there, Horse? No, Ken, we just, uh, you know, got car got slowing down about a lap to go, and, uh, you know, a lap, ago, you know, before we come in, and A.J. said he believed the engine was doing something, skipping and started popping. So we just broke a valve spring, we think it is. You know, the car was running so well, Gilmore Chevrolet, and all the boards working so well on the car, but just one of them things that happened, and... Like I said, it's at every race. Well, it was a magnificent performance up to that point. Now back to the tower. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Richard Petty has just come back on pit road, and he's taken on right side tires. The number 43 STP Dodge is coming back on the track. He was in for 19 seconds for two tires and gasoline on the lap 151. Petty had been running about 42 seconds behind the leader. He was making up amazing time around the speedway. He has fresh rubber on at 152 laps. Bob Myers, can he go the distance from here? It seems to me that he could, could he not? We have 382. No, he's got to come in again. He'll have to, I would look, by our estimation, at, at Ken, 117 miles to go. He'll, he'll have to pit one more time. Well, I'm sure he will. Uh, Ken Squire, this is Bob Myers. We talked with uh, Petty earlier in the week after the 125-mile qualifying race, and he said he doesn't get quite as good a gas mileage as the other cars. So uh, uh, he uh, can uh, he ex can expect the Chevrolets to run uh, 100 miles without any problem on a, on a tank and probably Pearson's car, too. And, of course, that would include Parsons as well. But I don't believe he can go that far. Back to the tower. It has been a dazzling performance by car number 72's driver, Benny Parsons, this afternoon. Parsons is now leading the Daytona 500. Last year, he led only the last four or five laps. This year, he's taken the bite a little earlier here, and the bullet is zinging right toward the heart of victory lane at the present time. Parsons is in first, number 21. That's David Pearson running in second, looking for his first Daytona 500 victory ever. Richard Petty is in third. He's just pitted again, and they will all have to pit at least one more time before the race is over. Number 72, Parsons on pit road. Here is the leader on pit road, and let's watch this stop by the Kings Row Fireplace team. Car is in for right side rubber. He has a big advantage. Jackman has the car in the air. Right side tires are removed. Car number four, Salt Walther, is also on pit road. The hood is up on car number 72 momentarily. Hood is down. The pins are being pushed back in. The hood pins are in, and he is away. 25 seconds. As they added some oil to car number 72, Benny Parsons' automobile. Parsons goes back on the racetrack. Now let's pick up our second-place car. That would be the number 21 automobile and see how he's faring out here. Must be David Pearson's going to be pitting shortly. The unbelievable if Benny Parsons could put it together two years in a row. The only other man that's ever won this race more than once has been Richard Petty, who is considered the greatest stock car driver of them all. And the STP Dodge is running very, very quickly. But the roll of the dice, 
misfortune was with him when he made that brilliant pit stop in 28 seconds for four tires immediately after the caution flag came out, and it sank him by one lap. Car number 72, Parsons first, number 21 in second. And now let's see how much interval there is between the first and second place automobiles as they continue to run speeds at 180 miles per hour around this great two-and-a-half-mile high-banked asphalt oval at the birthplace of speed, Daytona Beach, Florida. Trying to get that interval right now. Here's Parsons coming across the line in car number 72. Cecil Gordon, the Pruitt Chevrolet, comes back on the track. Again, a vicious three-car crash. Johnny Ray of East Aboga, Alabama, has been removed to the Halifax Hospital after a grinding crash up there in turn number three. What has been a fractional afternoon, as far as the lead is concerned, is now a race stabilized with a Chevrolet in front, a Mercury in second, and a Dodge running in third place. There's the 21 car across the line. Ken Squire, by our calculations, it would be David Pearson in front, and it would be Benny Parsons in second as Parsons on the backstretch continues is correct. to chase him down. That is correct. Car number 21. David Pearson is the leader. His advantage is uh, 18 and 8 tenth seconds, and we're waiting on the David Pearson automobile to pitch shortly. The entire crew is standing by, looking like an assault team, ready to come out on some Pacific island in World War II. They're waiting right there now for David Pearson's car. We could have him in in the next next lap, at which time then number 72, Benny Parsons would inherit first place, appropriated from this pure later Mercury, the maroon, white, and gold car coming out of turn number four. And Pearson is staying out still another lap. The Wood Brothers not signaling him to come in. The radios are what keep these guys on the track or in the pits. And it's also a tremendous safety advantage. When there's trouble in the speedway, they can immediately notify their drivers as to what's going on hopefully save the automobiles. Car number 79, the native tan Dodge with Frank Warren aboard is on pit road and they're looking at the left side of that car. Here's number 18, Joe Frisson of Golden Valley, Minnesota back on pit road as well as the number 29 automobile. The Roy Smith car from Victoria, British Columbia is on pit road. Number of automobiles that have officially retired from the race. Let's check the number. It's 16 cars, including the Cuckoo Marlin car, which are now out of competition. We are running the 158th lap, which means there are now 42 laps remaining, only 105 miles to go. There's an advantage of 23 and 6 tenths seconds for car number 21 over the number 72 car for. David Pearson over Benny Parsons. Richard Petty stays in third. Ken, they could be playing a little strategy on Pearson's car. If they can keep him out a little bit longer and let him make his pit stop, he would not have to pit again. That is absolutely correct. They're getting down to 102 miles. They can go just about 100 miles on a tank of fuel, right? Right, Ken. This is Bob Myers. They figured the Chevrolets uh, earlier this week could make about 103, 104 miles, and I'm sure it Pearson's uh, Mercury falls in about the same category. Back to the tower. So the story here is they're trying to keep car number 21 on the speedway. If they can bring him in one lap from now, they'll only have 100 miles to go. And hypothetically, they could bring him home. He might be running on a dry tank when he crosses the line, Marty Robbins. But there's a very good chance that if he can make another lap out here, he'll be in a position to come across and find himself a victory this afternoon. If he can get the 100 miles on the tank, well, he's got it. 
because Petty's going to have to make another stop. Petty came in a little earlier, also out here. We have number 72, and Parsons has come in early. That's a marginal situation on his automobile. Well, uh, like I said, while I go Petty, it gets less mileage with the Dodds than the others do. Car number 24, Cecil Gordon, has put his car back in the garage area. Do you do a little mathematical work when you were driving the Cotton Owens car to figure out when you're going to make those pit stops, Marty Robbins? Well, I just, uh, you know, kind of let Cotton figure it out, you know, when we were supposed to come in because I, I never could figure it out. I was enjoying it so much that I never, I never wasted much time thinking how many miles a gallon I was going to get. You let the boss man with the radio do it. Yeah. The Daytona 500 right now has Pearson in front. Parsons in second. Richard Petty in third. Lenny Pond. And the Pepsi-Cola car has moved to fourth position. What are the five big... Richard Petty's car number 43 is the quickest thing on the racetrack. He's just moved back into the lead lap. He moved around. Car number 72, Benny Parsons, just flew by him. And he is running down. Car number 21, we're still waiting on Pearson to pit. The moment that he does, it looks like Richard Petty will indeed be back in that lead lap, Barney Hall. Petty is definitely the strongest car on the racetrack, Kent. He chased down Pearson a moment ago. He was 31 seconds behind David, made up the distance, and then moved back around him just before he made that pit stop. He also has chased down a couple of the other leaders this afternoon before Foyt went out, so he is definitely the strongest car on the speedway. If circumstances dictate to where it ends up, if they get a caution that he gets back up to the leaders, he's going to be hard to beat. Back to the tower. Well, the drama is really beginning to build. Richard Petty is moving as quick, quicker than anyone else on the track right now. And the interval between Petty and the leader, Pearson, is now 33 seconds. He's made the lap up from Parsons. He is attempting to make it up from car number 21. 21 and 43, are they a, are they a lap apart? We'll check on that for you a moment. They should be in the same lap. They are, they are in the same lap then, and that means that as we come around, we would have three cars in the lead lap. Is that correct, Bob Latford? Do we have three cars in the lead lap now? Three automobiles, 21, 43, and 72, are in the lead lap, which puts the Mercury first, the Dodge in second, and the Chevrolet in third. Still waiting on that pit stop from car number 21, David Pearson. Going on an economy run out here this afternoon, and the pit board is up. He's in turn four and slowing. Leonard Wood is holding up the board, and the Petty, or Delano Wood is holding up the board. Leonard will be the right front tire man as they come in for this stop. Laywood, the right rear, only five men allowed over the wall. And here comes what could be the crucial pit stop of the race for car number 21, Pearson. He's on pit road. The pit stop is taking place at the 164th lap, which means that there are 90 miles to go, and he would have enough fuel to run to the end of the race. They have changed right side rubber. Car is down, and he is away. It looks like another brilliant pit stop. Time, 14 and 8 tenth seconds for two tires and fuel as the Wood Brothers of Patrick County, Virginia, put David Pearson back on the attack. 14 and 8 tenth seconds for car number 21, and David Pearson continues to lead this Mercury assault on the Daytona 500. Richard Petty's number 43 running that second position, car number 72, Benny Parsons in third, going fifth is Lenny, going fourth is Lenny Pond in the fifth position now, Neil Bonnet in the Armor All car. And moving, to, moving up is car number 81. That's the 
Terry Ryan car from Iowa. He's pulling up into fifth position. The Armorall car is dropping to six. In the seventh spot is car number 63, Terry Bivens. Going eighth is car number 95, Jim Hurtabees. What a great day Hurtabees is having after three bad years in a row. Ninth is Cecil Gordon. Going tenth is car number 79, Frank Ward, and Richard Petty just lapped two automobiles in the tri-oval as Petty is just flying on the speedway now. He's picked up the lead. Here's car number 21 trying to chase him down. The 11th position is car number 3, Richard Childress, in 12th is car number 29, Roy Smith. 13th is car number 4, Salt Walther. 14th is car number 8, Ed McGree. 15th is Joe Frisson. 16th is D.K. Ulrich. 17th is car number 60. That's Jackie Rogers. 18th is car number 61, Joe Mahalik. And that's how they're running right now. Those lead positions. Patty has the lead. One second in pits. 264 feet on the track. Just one second in the pits. 264 feet on the track at the speeds they're now turning. Petty is in front. He is six and a half seconds in front of David Pearson in the Mercury in second. Back to third place goes Benny Parsons in number 72. Car number 24, Cecil Gordon is back on pit road. Another time he's been in the garage area once, brought the machine back out, and now they're jacking the left side of his racing car. The interval stands as follows. Number 43, Petty, is leading by 5 and 7 tenths seconds over number 21, Pearson, in second. And then 11 seconds behind number 21 is car number 72. Car number 40, D.K. Ulrich, looks like he may be ready to scatter an engine. The torture test of this two-and-a-half-mile track is unhinging an engine on D.K. Ulrich's automobile, and he drops down in the apron of the speedway. You can see white smoke plummeting out of the headers on the automobile. Number eight, Edna Gree, is on pit road. Well, another engine just didn't stand the persistent high speeds of this great classic. And a dazzling performance all afternoon by D.K. Ulrich, who had trouble out here in qualifying. He's been running up strong most of the day. is looking like it's going to come to an end as a damaged commodity down in turn number two. Meanwhile, the leaders, 43, Petty, has that lead of 5 and 7 10 seconds dropped to 5 and 5 10 seconds. Pearson is moving up. Richard Petty's last lap was 176.471 miles per hour, and moving up is number 21, David Pearson. So here are the two greatest masters of this sport. The essence of excellence, Richard Petty and David Pearson, ready to fight it out for the finish of the race. 170 laps coming up complete. That means there will only be some 30 laps to go in the event as Petty and Pearson are locking up for one of those famous Grand National duels to the finish. Car number 29 has gone behind the wall. Roy Smith of Victoria, British Columbia. Let's go to the pits for any late reports down there. This is Bob Myers, Ken. Glenn Wood says that David Pearson's home free on fuel. He will not have to stop again. However, we're reasonably sure that Benny Parsons will and that Petty will also. Petty had uh, pitted on 152, and I don't believe he'll be able to go all the way. We talked to J.C. Elder, and he said he did not think they would make it all the way, but Glenwood says they're home free, so back to the tower. Well, if it stays under green and 21 stays together, he looks like he could win the Daytona 500. If it goes to caution, it'll be a three-car shootout between the STP Dodge, the Purolator Mercury, and the Kings Row Chevrolet. 
Petty should be coming in at 188 laps. If there is a caution flag, it would put all three cars back together, and what a duel we would have to the finish line. As things stand, we are predicting that Petty will pit on the 188th lap or thereabouts. Benny Parsons will pit on the 190th lap of the 200 laps to be run in this race. The interval now stands at five and nine tenths seconds as Petty gets back on the throttle once again and at 16 and eight tenths seconds from David Pearson back to Benny Parsons now as we're watching these front three automobiles to decide this record $343,000 payoff here in the world's greatest stock car race. Petty comes across the line. Now we're checking the interval on number 21, the Silver Fox, David Pearson in the Mercury automobile. And here comes the Benny Parsons, car number 72, down out of turn number four. All the cars beginning to look battle fatigued here as we move toward the conclusion. Again, David Pearson moves up about a tenth of a second from a 5.9 to a 5.8 split between the first and second place automobiles. 170 laps complete, only 72 and a half miles to go. David Pearson has never won this great Daytona 500. Twice he has won in the Firecracker 400, which is part of America's largest Independence Day celebration held each year here at the birthplace of speed. But when it comes to the Daytona 500, it's always been somebody else's race. Pearson has been here since 1961. He was the runner-up in 1970. He was third back in 1966. Last year, he finished fourth. This year, the Wood Brothers may be having it come their way. We'll just have to wait and see. A caution flag is certainly going to make it a thriller. But the drama of the race is being developed by the pit stops which are going to take place for Benny Parsons and for Richard Petty and they're not too far away. Let's go back and check in the garage area as to how many cars are now out of the Daytona 500. Ken, our figures show that 20 cars are out of competition. There were actually three other cars that came into the garage area for repairs. That was David Sisko and of course he changed out an engine and went back out to race. Dave Marcus in the Dodge who had the blown head gasket and replaced that, and Joe Mahalik with a broken oil line. So that means that, theoretically, there are 20 out. There were 23 at one time here in the garage area. Car number 26, Jimmy Capps of Elkton, Florida, has gone behind the wall. Jimmy Lee Capps of Elkton, Florida, the Gray's Guard Service Chevrolet is behind the wall on the Daytona 500. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Ladies and gentlemen, a crash in turn number one. Terry Bivens has just smashed into the wall. Bivens' automobile looked like it may have blown an engine. Here's the report from Barney Hall. Ken, I would speculate more that he cut a tire because the car just got away. There was no smoke from under the car, looked like, other than tire smoke. He tried to get the car down on the apron. It broke loose, went back up in the groove, smacked the wall, came back down on the apron. He is under power, heading for the garage area. Let's, but, pa let's pause for station identification. Terry Bivens, Shawnee Mission, Kansas, has crashed at turn numbers one and two. How serious does it look down there? He banged the wall pretty good, Ken. Did some sheet metal damage to the car, but it was under power on his own power going back to the garage area. Probably retired the car, but he smacked the wall pretty good. They're going to have to come out and check the track because it looked like they may have been some pieces of metal come off the car. Back to the tower. David Pearson immediately pits under caution. Petty will pit, Parsons will pit, and it will be a Dodge Mercury Chevrolet showdown in the Daytona 500 for 1976. 
Marty Robbins, you couldn't ask for more than what this 500-mile race has produced today. Oh, it's great, especially for the fans, because you got the car from each manufacturer out here today in the, in the top three cars, and that makes it real great for everybody. Well, we have uh, Bob McCurry, the group vice president from the Chrysler Corporation here. There's no sense in asking him who he's cheering for, because it says so right there. The STP Dodge 1976 Manufacturer's Award is running up there now as a real contender to take it all home. Well, they look like they had a real exciting finish here. I'm glad to see Richard come out there because they did have a bad break at that uh, caution flag the last time. So now we'll have three cars together. Bob McCurry, what is the 76 Manufacturers Award, 1976? Well, that's the, the point winner for the manufacturer that had the most uh, points, and we happened to have won it last year because of the three or four drivers that we had did a great, great job for us. and. Uh, did a great job performing for Dodge. STP Dodge now on pit road. Petty is going for right side rubber. He will probably go all the way around under caution. Parsons brings in number 72. So the leaders are all mounting the assault for the last part of this great war this afternoon. And it's four tires on Richard Petty's car. They're taking additional time here. It's under caution, not the pressure of a green flag tire change. Number 67, Arrington is on pit road. Car number 21 has been in. He's now coming by. Here's Richard Petty coming back on. 72, Benny Parsons, as we get down to the end of this thrilling race. The Chrysler car, Petty has said all week, has had just amazing handling characteristics, and he thought he had the ability to win, and so did Marcus, out of the handling yes. of the Chrysler automobile, the Dodge car. They said it was running very strong all week and was handling great, and I was over there in the pits for a while, and it looked like he was getting good tire wear for a while, and then... They had a switch, I guess, but it has been handling very well, and so has Dave Marcus. Thank you for coming by for a moment, Bob McCurry. Let's go down to turn numbers one and two with Barney Hall. It's ironic how fate works. Remember last year in this Daytona 500, the same three figures played key roles. It was Petty who pulled Benny Parsons in the draft up to catch David Pearson, and this time it's going to be the same three that come down to the finish line. Let's go back to the tower. Maybe come down to the finish line, Barney. Remember last year, poor David, right there at the end and that big spin out of turn number two. Let's see what's going to happen this afternoon. Petty has now pitted his automobile. The Pearson car is pitted, Parsons, and we have a battle between the major manufacturers for the finish of this great 500. Now, the report is that Parsons' car may have dropped a cylinder, that the Chevrolet of Benny Parsons may be hurting a little here. Tim Flock, what does a... a loss of a cylinder due to you out here on a super speedway from your experience well when we blow the cylinder and when i was running back with years ago you usually come in the pits with a out of the race really well he's out there still trying to go tim block is from the charlotte motor speedway where memorial day the world 600 is another one of the great winston cup grand national classics i know everyone's looking forward to it that has taken more and more premier status in american motor racing that particular event tim uh, Kim, we've got one of the greatest events coming up this year that we've ever had at the Speedway. Over 1,000 miles of racing, over $300,000 in purse money. We run the Baby Grands on Friday, a 300-mile modified on Saturday, and the Big World 600 on Sunday, May 30th. Nice to have you with us for a moment, Tim Flock. From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Ladies and gentlemen, the Daytona 500 is back underway. Car number 21. David Pearson is in front. Richard Petty is in second. Benny Parsons is in third. The front three automobiles now move into the 178th lap of competition. Only 22 to go. And they're in the first turn. 
David Pearson leads Richard Petty down to the number one corner. There is one car out front of the pack, and that is Terry Ryan's car. He is not in the lead. It is Pearson the leader. Petty is second, and working his way back up on him comes Benny Parsons, but Parsons is definitely off the pace as the two front runners move to turn three. Looks like a carbon copy of last year's race, but this time Petty's right in the thick of it. Pearson in front, Petty, and their STP Dodge closes in on David Pearson. How many times have we seen these two great stars run up front, nose to tail? It is David Pearson in the Pure Later Mercury in lane three, and up on the outside of him is Richard Petty challenging for the lead. After the seventh caution flag, the front trio are together. It's Pearson, and here comes Petty to the outside, rim riding at 180 miles per hour through the trioval 17-degree banking. Down into turn number one, it's Carr, number 21, David Pearson by just about half a car length. Parsons is pitting. The third place automobile, Benny Parsons, a cylinder going sour. He comes in, locks up the brake, stops in his pits, and there's trouble. The hood is going up for Benny Parsons, last year's Daytona 500-mile champion. Meanwhile, out on the backstretch, the hood has not gone up. They've jacked the right side of the automobile. It may be they've had a tire equalize on number 72. What a sad moment for Parsons as the two leaders continue their skirmish in turn number three, Richard Petty, the all-time winner, going for 200 victories sometime in the near future. Harry comes out of the corner. Parsons coming back on the track. The leaders coming down. They could put a lap on Parsons and put him one lap down now. Here's number 21. Pearson in front. Richard Petty in second. North Carolina versus South Carolina to decide. The 1976 Daytona 500. They are lapping Parsons at turn one. Parsons goes a lap down to the leaders as Pearson really puts his foot in it as the two giants of motor racing square off here for the finish in the Daytona 500. Still, Pearson out front, just one car length as Richard Petty bides his time down the back stretch. You couldn't ask for more in this Daytona 500. Richard Petty trailing David Pearson, and oh yes, we've seen it before, but Pearson is in front. Richard Petty ran down David Pearson from 30 seconds behind when they were both running out of the draft earlier. Now they are in the draft, and if the slingshot technique works, it could be Richard Petty. The two greats are up front to decide it between them. 181 laps complete when they combine. 19 laps to go. The Silver Fox. It's Pearson in front, Petty in second. How many times we have seen it boil down to this when we get into the final laps? torturing these automobiles, nudging every bit of speed they can out of the cars. They're back to the first turn. Petty is bound to be remembering what Pearson did to him in the firecracker race a year ago, backing off of the first turn, letting him go by, and then slingshotting by to win it down the backstretch. Here they go down the backstretch one more time, and Petty just sits there one car length back right on the Purolator Mercury. Backstretch here, Richard Petty very content to run in second. Now he has not run the high groove like he's done before. Before, when he wasn't chasing down Pearson, he took that high road. It could be that he's just sitting pretty in second. Can't imagine how big that fluorescent orange and blue hood of the STP Dodge must look in David Pearson's mirror as they decided here between them in the Daytona 500. Here they come with only 18 laps to go. Richard Petty and David Pearson in this 180-mile-per-hour average lap game of chess as they begin to wear each other down, try to intimidate each other on the banks. Just an incredible exhibition of determined concentration and perfected finesse. By the essence of excellence, Pearson and Petty in the backstretch back to over 180 miles per hour. They accelerate it up, and it's still David Pearson. Petty shows his nose to the inside, then thinks better of it. He stays just about a half a car length behind David Pearson, and as we said before, 
he runs in the second position. There's something special about these two immaculately prepared cars. After 480 miles of racing, they still glitter and gleam in the sun. They're made to cut through the air at 180 miles per hour, two feet apart as they are right now. Meanwhile, Benny Parsons' car even looked sore and sullen after it came back on pit road. The number 72, which won this race a year ago for Kings Row Fireplace. It's Purolator and STP, the two major racing teams that are going to decide the 18th running to the greatest stock car race in the world, one of the most competitive racing events that's run on any racetrack anywhere. They're moving down into turn number three, and there's no question about it, they're waiting on the finish. Now, both Petty and Pearson are building toward one of those typical Daytona finishes. When they come by this time, there will only be 16 laps to go in the Daytona 500. Benny Parsons had a tire go down, along with a sick little engine out there, a tire Makes for an insane condition for him. That's a sad feeling when you get this far into a race and have that happen, but it's happened to Benny Parsons. He still is harboring third position. The Pepsi-Cola car, number 54 with Lenny Pond, is now running the fourth position. And running in fifth is the Armorall car with the rookie Neil Bonnet out of Hueytown, Alabama. The protege of Bobby Allison is really running well today. You know this kid, Neil Bonnet, Marty Robbins. You've seen him run. Yeah, I saw him in uh, Alabama, and I've watched him here, and I've watched him in sports racing. He's really a fine driver. That kid is a guy you're going to hear a whole lot more about. A lot of poise. He's even got a Marty Robbins mustache now. <laughs> well... <laughs> What can you say? Car number 81, Terry Ryan of Davenport. Well, he's, he's one of your favorites, you know. He, he thinks a great deal of you. And right now, a lot of race fans are going to begin to think a whole lot more of him. The Armorall car is running in fifth, going six. Is this number 81? And that's the machine being driven by Terry Ryan from Davenport, Iowa, who ended up outside pole for the start of the race. In the seventh position is car number 63, the Terry Bivens car. And then in the eighth position is car number 70, J.D. McDuffie. I believe we have a big update on that one coming up right now. Here's our 180 lap rundown, and we're showing car number 12 still in six, and we'll pick up a couple more spots if we can. 186 laps are now complete. That means there are 14 laps to go. When they come around this time, they'll be at 187, and the mileage factor, 467 miles down. The leaders stringing it out for a moment giving David Pearson an opportunity to lead by about six car lengths in the draft is Richard Petty, and he closes on him again. In that draft, he pulls right up on the rear bumper. Petty comes to the inside. The STP Dodge goes for the lead. And there's no question about it, Petty is beginning to play out here with that car number 21. They're setting each other up for the finish. No one is really exerting themselves, right? In turn one, what do you think? I don't know. I think Richard's going to try to build a lead on him to where Pearson won't be able to even have a shot at him on that slingshot. And he's already opened up an eight-car separation. Petty is awfully strong as they go down the back chute. Pearson tightens it up again. They head for turn three. They like to play tricks with each other. And right now, Richard Petty is the man that's playing the tricks out front. David Pearson is in second. And by our calculations, your battle between Ryan and and car number 12, the Armorall car, ought to be shaping up real good, too. Pearson comes hammering back up to within about six car lengths. Richard Benny may want to gamble and see if he can run away with it right here. That battle between Lenny Pond and Neil Bonnet, along with car number 81, Terry Ryan, is a great three-car draft. And right now, it's the second draft on the racetrack. Ken Squire. Back they go, and Petty is almost in the wall of the tri-oval. He went right to the top of the speedway around two lapped automobiles that wouldn't give ground. And Petty had the STP Dodge right up in the marbles for a moment. He 
again pulls away to six car lengths, but Pearson is now sitting there in the rocking chair just holding on. It's David Pearson's car, number 21, second position. The story historically has been you never want to lead going into the last lap. Buddy Baker changed that in Talladega, Alabama last year when he won a race by about six feet leading going into the last lap. Petty a little sideways as he lets out the back end of the automobile up in turn number four. He runs it all the way up and uses that last critical two feet between the fender and the wall. He took it all the way up there. He simply is not getting away from David Pearson. Eleven laps to go. Petty leading Pearson second from Daytona International Speed. Way this is the Motor Racing Network. Lenny Pond is continuing a great fight out here to hold on to a fourth position finish, and Neil Bonnet in car number 12 is having his own struggle with Terry Ryan as they fight for fifth, and they are just about three feet apart all the way around the speedway. We now have 10 laps to go in the Daytona 500. They're averaging about 178 miles per hour using the very highest part of the racetrack. Richard Petty is leading by five car lengths over David Pearson in second. Benny Parsons is maintaining a third position. This is how the race has stabilized over the last several laps. Running the fourth position is the Pepsi-Cola car of Pond. Running in fifth is car number 12, the rookie, Neil Bonnet, in the Armoral car. He is from Hueytown, Alabama. The sixth position in the race is car number 81, Terry Ryan, and Ryan is just sitting there drafting off the back of Neil Bonnet's automobile. Ryan right behind Bonnet, Bonnet directly behind number 54, but there is a lap interval between number 54 and 12. Jim Hurtabees has just retired car number 95 after a magnificent effort by one of the all-time great American racing champions. Hurtabees sits on the wall and just pours a glass of water over his head out there after a very warm, hot afternoon. Out of turn, number four, Richard Petty's 43, leads by three, perhaps four car lengths. Petty has been to the hospital for a couple of weeks, feels he's ready to win this race today, to win it for the sixth time. Here comes David Pearson moving in on him again. They go into turn number one, and here comes Pearson closing ground. What a magnificent struggle. It's the STP Dodge and the Purolator Mercury going at it here just car lengths apart in the waning moments of the 18th running of this race. Backstretch, car number 43. Petty builds his lead to six car lengths. And now, here comes David Pearson. The lead evaporates right back on the rear bumper. It is David Pearson closing ground. When they come by, this time, there will be only only seven laps to go when they clear the tri-oval start-finish line area of the world's finest motor speedway. Here it is. They're setting up for one of those amazing finishes. It's Richard Petty in front by two car lengths over David Pearson as the struggle ensues now in turn one. Ken Petty seems to be definitely stronger up in turns three and four. Pearson can close on him in the turns one and two, and David can also catch him just before they get to the end of the backstretch here. Exactly where Pearson will make his maneuver to take the lead on that last lap, or whether he'll wait that long is anybody's guess. Here he goes, pulling right up on the bumper of him down the backstretch again. He'll close up like that each and every lap, Ken, and then he'll back off as Petty will take a much higher route into the east bank. And if we see a carbon copy of that once again, Petty goes a full racing lane higher and begins to open it up just a little bit. Out now to two, two and a half, three car legs, and this is the key area because this is where the slingshot has to happen. It was Satchel Page who said, don't look back, something may be gaining on you. That's what Richard Petty is confronted with as we get to the conclusion of the Daytona 500 this afternoon. It's David Pearson that's gaining on him. As Richard Petty looks in his rearview mirror, all he sees 
are the, as Richard Petty looks back, he just sees nothing but David Pearson's eyes staring him down. Now it's an eight-car length advantage as Petty pulls away out of turn number two. Down the back straightaway, Richard Petty once again finds the lead evaporating a little bit, though, as David Pearson again has the advantage on the back stretch here, 3,400 feet, and it's too, too good for the Curator Mercury. It's definitely a bigger interval this time. This could be it. Richard Petty may have put the foot to the wood. He ran down Pearson earlier. This may be the time he'll try to let it all out and see if he can do it again in a three-lap sprint to the finish. 195 laps will be complete when they come by. It is Richard Petty in front, David Pearson in second. The lead is about five car lengths. The caravan cavorts down into the first turn. Again, Pearson maintains about a three-car separation. He tightens it up a little bit closer as they get up in the middle of turn one. Out of two, it is still about four car lengths as they come out of the number two corner and go down the backstretch. And every time, Pearson is able, able to overhaul him just before they get to the end of the backstretch, but that's all. They knock away at each other each and every time here, and Richard Petty seems content in front, and that's highly unlikely for him, as he'd like to be in second, we always thought, as he heads to the turn four area. They go out and hammer and tongue, and meanwhile, that Lenny Pond battle with Neil Bonnet and Terry Ryan continues. They're going to decide three, four, and five at the finish line, as will first and second be decided between Pearson and Petty. Coming down to the line, Richard Petty continues to venture higher and higher up on the banks. David Pearson staying right with him, and Pearson is again closing as they go into turn number one. They are now working in the 197th lap, three laps to go. When they come by, the two-lap indicator will be on the field. They go back to turn two. Petty draws away a bit. Four car lengths, five car lengths, about six car lengths as they go out of the number two corner. They'll have to work some of the lap cars as they go down the back chute this time. And this could easily play a factor in this finish if they can get one another where they can work off some of the lap automobiles. They're in turn three. As they work the banking, a significant fact, Petty has tried every foot, in fact, every critical inch of that unknown territory up near that wall. He's checked it out. He knows if he can run up there. He's all set for his last lap dash. These curves now patched with oil and gasoline, water from the day. Here they come. They're ready to lap the third-place automobile. Number 72, Benny Parsons, two laps to go. Richard Petty is in front. Lap traffic in front may slow him down in the first turn. Petty works his way around the outside, gets very close to the wall, and he continues to run high now in one and two. He's been running right against the wall up in three and four, and now he gets even higher down in one and two. Meanwhile, David Pearson is now seven car lengths back, as Petty has definitely put the hammer down on the STP Dodge. They call it putting the pedal to the metal, and that's the way the red and blue STP Dodge is running at this time. The quick trip down the 3,400-foot back straightaway is completed. Car number 43 in front. They both hook high to go around a lapped automobile low on the speedway. Petty is all the way out against the wall. Pearson moves up high as well. It's still a six-car length separation. As they come by this time, they are showing two. They are showing two. I was incorrect and gave you a wrong count. It is two laps from here. Two laps to the finish. They go down into turn number one. There are two laps as of now remaining in the race. Two laps to go there in turn number one, Barney Hall. Pearson shuts it down. This time he's about three car lengths back. He picks up a little distance on Petty as they get it up in turn number two. They'll be running up on Jackie Rogers' automobile down the long backstretch. And if they keep the pace up, they're just about going to catch a five and six car pack of traffic in at the finish. They're just about ready to overhaul Jackie Rogers. Richard Petty takes the high road, as does David Pearson. Way high again in the turn. Petty all the way up against the wall, and it's closer this time than it has been the previous three and four laps. Pearson is moving up, inching up within four car lengths as they move into the turn four banking. 
All right, it's down for a decision. This is it. We'll get one in one lap. The white flag comes out. Richard Petty in front. The STP Dodge, the Pirelli Mercury, go through the trioval oval tri-oval area with Richard Petty by a half length. He goes into the first turn. Petty gets out the groove. He gets a little high then pulls it right down in the center of the groove this time. Here's Pearson knocking on the door. David chops it down to two car lengths. He's right on the bumper. Pulls it up and tightens it up as they come out of the corner. They pass Dave Marcus. He is pulled up and here he goes down to the inside on Petty. He shows his nose to the inside. The Purelator Mercury and now a slower car in the way. David Pearson has the lead going into turn number three. As they hit the banking they're three abreast with a lap car. Pearson Pearson moves in front of the STP Dodge. Petty comes back to the inside. They almost touch as they move down low in the banking. They're going to be side by side as they exit the bank and head for the finish line. Richard Petty goes back in front. They both spin. They're in the wall. Petty is sliding, slamming into the wall. He's coming down toward the finish line. Will he make it? He's still moving. The car stops 300, 400 feet shy of the finish line. Pearson is still running. Here's Petty trying to fire to come across the line. David Pearson moving down through as they come to the stripe. The winner is car number 21. It's going to be, I believe, Pearson's victory. You'll just have to wait and see. An amazing finish. Richard Petty's car demolished in the front end as well as car number 21. An unbelievable finish. A terrible crash. Both cars in the wall. Both drivers kept on going. Richard Petty comes across the line, but in front of him was car number 21. They were both down in the grass on the inside part of the racetrack and will wait for a decision as to the victory in the Daytona 500 this afternoon. It looks like car number 21, David Pearson, has come home victorious. The race is over. What a remarkable, sensational finish. Pearson went to the bottom of the racetrack, and then Dave Despain, you tell about it. As they went low, they came down much, much lower in the racetrack, Ken. We'd seen them setting up the high groove as they came through in those waning laps, feeling one another out. Pearson made his move going into the turn three banking. Petty, midway between three and four, in an incredible move that I've never seen anything like before, dove down a racing lane and a half right there at the peak of the banking where it's 31 degrees and simply wedged the STP Dodge under David Pearson. Pearson has won it. David Pearson has won the Daytona 500. He came across the line, the front end entirely battered, but David Pearson with the Pirelli Mercury has won the Daytona 500 for the first time. A crowd gathering around Richard Petty. They're all down Bobby. there after this wild finish. Bobby. Boy, it has been some Bobby. kind of a day. Did you know that 35 Bobby. of the great NASCAR championship drivers in this race drove these grueling miles with STP, oil treatment helping to protect their engines? The majority of the drivers in this race used STP, oil treatment, and no wonder. STP, oil treatment helping to protect vital engine parts against friction and wear mile after mile. Every time you change oil, the next time you need oil, add a can of STP oil treatment to help reduce oil consumption, help protect against friction and wear. Follow the lead of 35 NASCAR championship drivers in this race. Get STP oil treatment for your car. Well, it's been a 180-mile-per-hour crash just at the finish. Both cars continued, all torn up. Pearson's automobile is stopped on pit road. The crowd has come over the fence. They're gathering around the automobile. Petty's car is down there. It looks like 
like a half-mile night at Nashville, Tennessee. The winning car, car number 21, David Pearson's automobile, totally wrecked, as is Richard Petty's number 43, and they're waiting on victory lane for the first time in the Daytona 500. Petty's car going back to the garage. Here comes the 21 car. The front end of the car pushed back. Pearson has won the Daytona 500 in the most dramatic finish in the history of the game. The car spun all the way around once. It came to a stop. He cranked the automobile. It fired. And now a whole throng of, a throng of enthusiasts are with him as he goes down toward Victory Lane. They're waiting on him there. Here comes Pearson headed for Victory Lane. Let's go there now. Thank you very much, Ken, and what a tremendous sight this is. I'll tell you right now, when Pearson came across and you announced that he was indeed the winner, the crowd here was absolutely deafening. Brilliant colors all around us now. The cameras are poised. The car is slowly coming in here. The fans are going absolutely crazy. Oh, the front end damage on that car, Ken, is something to see. It is absolutely smashed in the front end. But I got to tell you right now, inside that car, being congratulated and smiling, he is a happy man. David Pearson, as they move in, now he is trying to get his breath everybody is literally going on absolutely out of their mind down here today a finish that was totally unexpected because when they were going neck and neck to it well Pearson just had it all the way and when he came out of that turn and they spun out and he kept it going Richard Petty a sad break for him but uh, this is going to break something that I suppose they are going to say is a little bit of a jinx on the Daytona 500 for this man who just got out and you can hear the crowd in the background now as they give him a tremendous ovation David Pearson who's done a tremendous job out here today and I've got to tell you that he is one happy man you can see the joy now it hasn't really hit him yet I don't think there was a moment in there that he could possibly have known that he was going to even come out near that winner's circle that he is in right now because right up to the very end there he was absolutely held off by Richard Petty. There was lead changes throughout the entire race. Right now he is trying in the middle of an interview to uh, get the sweat wiped off. All the crew members, everybody involved is going in. Ken Squire, I'm yeah. Richard Petty. All right, let's go down to the garage area for a moment. Richard's so near and so far and so frustrating. Well, uh, David got by me going down a back stretch, and when he did, he slid up in front of me naturally, and when he did, he went off on it. So I cut down under him, and when I did, my car started pushing, and when I did, I, you know, naturally, I'm going to stay as long as I could, and I hit him and, and messed him up a little bit. And then when I got about halfway by him, I had him pinched against the wall, and uh, then he hit my right rear, and when he did, he spun me, spun me the wrong way, and then we both spun out, and he just got going first. That's all. Back to radio control. Well, that's the story from Richard Petty, and he and he says that he tagged the Pearson car, put him in the wall, and Pearson tagged him and spun him out. You can't find a greater champion than Richard Ken, Petty. Ken, Let's, we're down here now with David Pearson. David, I don't think that we can honestly say there was a moment that you thought you were going to be here right up to the very end of that race, and congratulations. What a job. Well, uh, I really didn't know, but uh, I, after I hit the wall and spun, I stopped. I said, where's Richard? Because I knew he was spinning, too. <laughs> and uh, I asked him over the radio had he passed the start and finish line, and when they said no, I tried to take off. David, you've got to rate this on a scale of 1 to 10, a 10 for the victory alone. But what about the race itself? It was a thinking man's race all the way from our point of view. It was, and uh, we had to run hard all day long. And, uh, of course, I run a little hot to start with, and we had to come in and change that. But uh, I knew when it come down to the end of it, old Richard would be there. Well, he was right on you all the way. And when you hit that wall, uh, what was what was the actual situation as you came out of there? You're side by side. It looked like it was going to be a drag race for the finish. Well, uh, I passed him over on the backstretch, and... Uh, 
I guess when we went in the corner, he uh, undoubtedly got to pushing too hard, and he come up and uh, got, hit me in the rear, and that got me sideways, and he come on up, and, you know, and both of us hit the wall, or at least I did. Is there a, a race that you wanted more than a 500? You've waited a while for this. I've waited a long time. <laughs> In fact, this is the first time I've ever won this one, and uh, I guess it just means a whole lot to me. Well, David Pearson, we congratulate you tremendously again, and now the jinx of the uh, Silver Fox is broken. Well, I hope so. Well, off and running. Okay. That's the uh, scene down here right now. We have the uh, president of Purolator here with us today. Mr. Cameron, I'll tell you, uh, is there a happier man in this crowd? There can't possibly be. That was the most exciting race I've seen in my whole life, and I don't expect to see another any more so. How close were you to Victory Lane when they came out in that last lap? Well, all I could see was the smoke, really. I had no idea. Someone told me. You know you've been looking for it. You know, as long as David has been looking for it, you have been looking for it a long time. And here it is. Have, has the moment hit you? Has, all of this throng of people yelling and screaming and carrying on, can you realize yet that it's No, I really can't. I really can't. Maybe tomorrow I'll be able to talk confidently about it. Well, thanks so much, Mr. Cameron. And again, what a tremendous throng of people are down here. They are carrying on, going absolutely tremendously wild. David Pearson up here now getting the traditional uh, kisses from all... From Daytona International Speedway, this is the Motor Racing Network. Well, it has been some race here today to finish the Daytona 500, and I don't think the crowd has ever seen a more spectacular finish to any race. Marty, this, this looks like what I know from a little track called Thunder Road up in Vermont, and from what you know in Nashville on a Saturday night, it was that kind of a race. It's the kind of race that Bobby Isaac used to run with Ralph Earnhardt up there around Kannapolis, North Carolina, side by side, and push each other into the wall to finish it up. How about that? Uh, I don't think I'll ever see anything like this. I mean, this could only happen in a movie. That was real cool what David did when we started that car and hit that wall. Come across the line under his own power. You know, I'm a, I'm a Chrysler man, but man, that, that was just real great what David did. I, it's hard to really pull for anybody because they're all my friends, you know, but uh, I, I, that was really, this is the greatest race I was, that I have ever even seen, you know. I could, couldn't be in this one, but I couldn't have had a better seat, and I appreciate you letting me sit up here. I'm sorry I didn't say more, but... Uh, well, I the talk. seat was free anyway. I, I talk a lot, and that's See, the well. problem. But I really appreciate your coming by, and it's it's great to have someone who is as fine a poet of America as you, who has written so many great songs, so enthusiastic about this sport. I think it does, uh, it speaks well for the sport to have the Marty Robbins kind of people who are prolific composers and who have some things to say and write songs like 20th Century Drifter that, that like it as much as we do. Well, I'm glad that you didn't ask me any more questions you did because I didn't have answers anyway. <laughs> I get too excited about this, you know. Let's see uh, if Dave Despain is still down there in turn four. David, are you there? Yes, indeed. We are, Ken Squire, where we have seen something that I, I simply felt that after last year we could never see again. Quickly, can you, and very quickly, in about 30 seconds, give us a synopsis of exactly what happened when they came across the line. Ken, as we said earlier, they... Petty came to the inside as they came out of the corner. He simply could not hold that low line. The car got sideways. He got into David, pushed David into the wall. David came back out, caught the back end of Petty's car. They both spun, and in a cloud of smoke, we finished the Daytona 500. With both cars badly damaged, finally Pearson cranking the key and getting across the line, not even on the track. He was down to the grass, but he came across with a whole front end pushed back about a foot. Ladies and gentlemen, the late report is that Johnny Ray is beginning to respond to treatment and is conscious now from that serious crash in turn number two earlier. It is reported he had a ruptured lung on the left side and some fractured ribs and a broken collarbone from that vicious crash which literally tore his car in two. 
Sam Posey, the guy who has just written a marvelous book called The Mudge Pond Express, and a great friend of mine from New England is here for a moment. Sam, you've seen a lot of auto races. Have you ever seen anything like this? Ken, absolutely not. Uh, I wrote my book about 10 years of automobile racing of all different kinds across the United States and in Europe. And I got here halfway through the race. My plane was late. I saw the whole thing from the air. It's a fantastic show. And I have just seen the greatest automobile race that I have ever been in or been at in my whole life. Well, we're delighted, we're delighted that you could come by for a moment. Sam Posey. And now they're bringing back the cars that crashed out here today. And the, this is always a sad moment as the sun begins to set. And you see the cars that tried so hard, like Ramos thought. The Rossmeyer Dodge coming in. The front end's badly blunted on these machines. But it's been a big day for one David Pearson, who has finally won the Daytona 500. We'd like to thank the staff of the Speedway and remind race fans throughout the country to call their local radio stations, drop them a line, and let them know they appreciate hearing these broadcasts. That's the only way they know to have more of them and uh, get us equal up there to the baseball and football broadcasts you hear around the country. Thank you so much for being with us today. Let's take a quick look at the closing standings, which we have not done. As they came across the line today, Pearson first, Richard Petty second, third, Benny Parsons, fourth, Lenny Pond, fifth, was the car number 12, Neil Bonnet, the rookie driver, finishing in fifth position in the new Armor All car. Sixth today was Terry Ryan, the fantastic young talent from Iowa. Seventh, the native tan Dodge for Frank Warren. Eighth was J.D. McDuffie. And across the line in ninth position when it was over was Richard Childress. Tenth position went to car number 67, and the driver of that automobile was... Buddy Arrington finishing in 11th was car number 4, Salt Walther, and in 12th was car number 60, Jackie Rogers. 36 lead changes, average speed 152.181 miles per hour, 3 hours, 17 minutes, 8 seconds. What a race. David Pearson has finally won the Daytona 500. From Daytona International Speedway in Daytona Beach, Florida, this has been Motor Racing Network with the broadcast of the Daytona 500 NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National Stock Car Race. Brought to you by STP, makers of fine automotive products. By First National City Travelers Checks, the world's fastest travelers checks. By Bush Gardens Family Entertainment Centers in Williamsburg, Virginia and Tampa, Florida. By Valvoline, the motor oil the pros run on. By Chrysler Corporation, winner of the Motor Trend Car of the Year Award for its Aspen and Volari small cars. By Simon Ice Presoft, by Champion Spark Plug Company, and by Treasure Island Inn, a treasure chest of luxurious living in beautiful Daytona Beach. Host for today's broadcast was Ken Squire, turn commentators Barney Hall, Jackie Arute, and Dave Despain. In the garage, Joe Alloy, pit commentators Ken Campbell and Bob Myers. Scoring, Bob Latford, timing Fred Krantz, historian Patty Lumpkin, production assistants Chris Alloy and Jim Norton. Director, Dr. Randall Wolf, technical director Harry Howard, executive assistant Melinda Raynew, general manager Tim Sullivan. This broadcast was produced by Rick Wolf. All personnel participating in this broadcast are employed or paid by Motor Racing Network. Stay tuned to most of these same stations for the broadcast of the Daytona 200 National Motorcycle Classic Sunday, March 7th. This broadcast of the Daytona 500 was a presentation of Motor Racing Network, Division of International Speedway Corporation. This is Rick Wolf. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires. <laughs>